Welcome to Vickers Podcast. Today, I'm joined with the smartest man in bodybuilding, the only bodybuilder I can still learn stuff from. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Dr. Scott Stevenson. Thank I you so you much for coming on. I think you need to browse YouTube more because I can't be the only one. There's some people no, out there's, there. There's a lot of smart say. guys, of course, in yeah. bodybuilding. But I mean, since the early days, since professional muscle and intense muscle, everybody has labeled you as the smartest man in bodybuilding. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of us will still go to you for questions and get inspired to do more research. Because I've been following you since, man, you, you of course, you did it with Scott McNally. And you're on uh, you know, the Mountain Dog website. You have several articles there. And every time mm -hmm. I, I read something or listen to you, I have to pause the video. And go to PubMed and Wikipedia and, and Science Direct and Google Scholar and just catch up on, on new material because I'm like, wait a minute, there's so much more to what you're saying, right? And I, I, I know you tried to dumb it down, but I always like to, you know, learn more about it. So I, every time I listen to you, the podcast, a one-hour podcast will take like two hours, four hours, just to do additional research in the meantime. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I'm maybe the most curious man in bodybuilding. At least I have been. Yeah. You know, that's for sure. Yeah, there's just rabbit holes galore. I, I, people say, you know, he's forgotten more than you ever knew. I've forgotten a lot. Yeah, because um, you just can't. I just can't keep all the information. In my you head, you can't retain it all. You know, you no. can't retain it all. And it usually, no like way. a guy like you and me, we we go down the rabbit hole and then we um, turn it into a, a YouTube video, like like you did with the carnitine subject mm -hmm. and and the carnitine articles that you produced. And then, of course, you know, you go so deep into it. But then mm -hmm. later on, you switch yourself to a new subject and you kind of for forget about the previous one. And you dive down yeah. the rabbit hole again. <laughs> the thing that I notice now, because I'm not in academia um, mm -hmm. and I don't have anyone. I can talk with, of course, my clients who I do consultations mm -hmm. with about these things. And that keeps the information fresh. But right. I don't have this is kind of what you're getting. At. I don't have anyone to challenge me on a regular basis mm -hmm. or someone with whom to explain. I don't have anyone that's mentoring me actively. So I am my own mentor. Right. right? And, and that's part of the reason, you know, if I were in academia and I love this, like when I was doing my master's degree, especially in my, in my PhD, I would mm -hmm. just migrate amongst all the different labs with all the real geniuses, the really, really smart guys. Uh -huh. um, I mean, guys, there's, there's, there were people there that I ran into. It's like, they weren't idiot savants, but their capacity for, there was one guy, he's named Art Castle. He was um, kind of a molecular biologist, exercise biologist, physiologist. You could ask Art any question. This was the perception. He would never, he knew the answer to everything. It was, wow. he never, never, never missed a beat. So it's amazing um, that a lot of these guys are so knowledgeable, but they're not really on social media. They're just doing their, their, you know, their mm -hmm. field that they chose. And then mm -hmm. they're literally gold mines of information. Then, of course, you have to, you know, be in the luxurious position that you actually get to meet them and ask them questions. It's, uh, I think yeah. the smarter you get, the less, less of those people are actually around you um that's, Less that's the on hard social part. media <laughs> yeah that's true yeah because most yeah. of these guys are just doing their thing with uh in a medical field or perform the mm -hmm. actual studies or drug designing new stuff and but you right. actually have seven studies published do i have that many i haven't yeah there's a few there's and, a few things yeah mainly from my graduate school days but yeah all right but recently you published one about peak week recommendations for bodybuilders and evidence-based approach yeah, and this is now. I mean, how many people are using this this study to actually start peaking their for their competition, or also help to peak their athletes? I mean, I get so these happy. questions all the time. What do you think about this article? I said it's one of the best articles you will ever read. Yeah, when it comes to peak yeah. week, <laughs> Guillermo Escalante, who headed up that whole that whole um, that whole study, that whole article, 
just brought me in sort of at the last minute. Someone else couldn't fulfill their role. They brought me in. I'm like, ah, oh, this is awesome. This has been my wheelhouse for so long. It's a, it's just a, such a right. cool topic and it's so intricate. And, um, and I, without getting into too many details, one of the things that I wanted to kind of put in that article, and there's also a, um, uh, certification out there now, um, for what they call them physique specialists or something like that, bodybuilding mm-hmm. specialists. And the thing that's so tough is that everyone wants to use diuretics. Diuretics are the, are the big mm-hmm. thing that just everyone just throws in there and they're, they're absolutely not necessary unless you're someone who has impaired kidney function for some reason or, or another. And I've had a few people that couldn't respond to normal water and sodium manipulation. One guy was taking like two grams of caffeine a day just to stay alive. He was getting up and personal training from like 4 a.m. to like 8 at night. And, and then doing prep was, at the same time. And then he was dieting down, right? So then he came <laughs> to me like four weeks out. It's like, okay. I'm like, I'm like what's your cat? And I, I, thought, I thought it was a typo. I thought maybe he, you know, he, he missed a decimal point somewhere in there or something. Um, but it was like two grams. So he didn't respond. People that have right. been prescribed like Lasix for high blood pressure. I've seen that before. Mm-hmm. Their kidneys are kind of shocked. But anyway, that was such a nice thing to be able to put out there to see. So so many people could see that you don't need pharmaceuticals to do a peak week. And if you need to manipulate water, hopefully you're in good enough shape. You should not have to do anything as far as that goes. But it can be done yeah, so really effectively. Right. All you need to yeah. do is bring two bricks. <laughs> two bricks and put them under the foot end of your um uh, of your bed so you can sleep right. at a sloped angle and bring all that water down i did this with my wife and one of my uh, drug-free clients for many years yeah. because we couldn't use diuretics uh because mm-hmm. they were uh, you know test uh, competing in drug tested federations so all you can do is you know maybe a little bit of caffeine and of course sleeping at a slope but i would usually mm-hmm. put their legs on pillows and and so that's mm-hmm. why i like this article so much because it kind of confirmed to what i was doing for a while like, wait a minute, this actually has scientific evidence now. And, and it's just for people who are wondering, it's not just legs on the pillows. You have to have the whole mm. body on the decline. So you right. get the increased venous return to the heart and get the atrial natriuretic peptide released. So maybe will put the legs up and that's good. Then you won't have water that'll settle in your legs. Right. But to get the whole body diuretic effect or natriuretic effect, diuretic effect, mm-hmm. you have to do Salt. that. And, yeah. And that's just a cool, we don't need to go into that here because it's kind of our purpose, but that was just kind of cool right. how I pieced that together from literally from NASA research, you know, looking at space. <laughs> yeah. Flight. That's, that's, that's where, where you got it from, right? From space yeah. flight. That's where Amazing. I stole it from. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. the causes oh. diuretic effect, but and they were trying uh-huh. to mimic people in space where you don't have the, the gravity, you don't have the hydrostatic pressure pulling your water down. So you put people inverted in their bed, six degrees mm-hmm. matched what they saw in terms of, of plasma volume loss in astronauts. So like, okay. So we can probably use this and maybe do a little bit more if needed and, and get a diuretic. Right. It works for at least two or three pounds on most yeah, people. No, it, it, it's very effective. It's very mm-hmm. effective. So every time, you know, f- on YouTube, you have all these uh, professional bodybuilders, they do pre-contest footage, right? They make mm-hmm. a YouTube video about it. And I'm sure they're shoving all the stones underneath the bed so they can hide the secret of what's really going on. Yeah. I mean, you're saving, literally saving kidneys this way because the over-diuretic, yeah. especially in the 90s and 2000s, I mean... People would use anything as a diuretic, including those mercury-based diuretic drinks that uh, mm. Chad Nichols supposedly had. Yeah, um, you know, destroyed a lot of kidneys in the in the nineties and two thousands with the diuretic testing. So I wish <laughs> I wish those guys knew about this now, uh, back then. Yeah, yeah. Some of the stuff wasn't done. The research really hadn't been done until like the nineties. Um, right. I heard, learned about this from a guy named Victor Convertino. He worked for NASA. 
he was um mm-hmm. he did a lot of this stuff and really guy came and did a test le- a, a guest lecture when i was in grad school I'm like, oh, this is really cool stuff there's just so much yeah. there right. i wonder too the thing that's maybe is the issue and you, you've seen this probably with your client the big deal with diuretics is there i i suspect there's some short-term maybe somewhat long-term damage that happens to the kidneys when someone starts with you know they start taking their diuretics a week out you know the seven mm-hmm. to ten day out old school protocol after that you're not going to respond to these sorts of things you're gonna you're pr- pretty much stuck going the pharmaceutical route right i think um, that there's a permanent permanent adaptation process if you really crush uh, your it, or, or manipulate your renin angiotensin aldosterone system with aldactone for a week and then uh, yeah, yeah. flush everything oh, yeah. out with lasix or hydrochlorothiazide and triam 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 yeah yeah yeah, it's. I think there's something that that is. It can last for weeks at least. Yeah. Um, now there's some overcompensation you, afterwards. Oh yeah. So desensitization, something mm-hmm. like that. That you and you know you can't, for instance, do a practice run even two weeks out with diuretics and then expect it to work the same way. And mm-hmm. guys who use try to do several shows in a row, like that's why it's such a a, a crazy feat or has been for so long to do mm. multiple shows like every weekend because the diuretic strategy that p- where people were employing had to be totally different. It was based, um, and this is not a, a knock on Chris Aceto, but Chris Aceto's mm. job is, is to look He's like he's this, he literally has this, you know, um, intuition about what's going to work and he sees this visually and he picks up on things. Maybe he can't even put into words, mm. but you have to sort of go with the flow and right. that's what happens. What people use, how many, how many of what of diazide, aldactone, whatever it is they're using, varies so much week by week. Whereas the way I do peak week, it's all in that article, it's in my book, et cetera. Um, you can do it every week. You could. I, mm-hmm. I had one one buddy of mine who started competing in the seventies, could be the seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands. He's actually going to do an over sixty Mister Universe here probably next year, wow. um, and. The way he does, the way I do the peak week, you, you make a little bit of a step forward in terms of conditioning, too. So you don't lose out on your diet. It's not like you missed the week of dieting because you did a peak week practice. Right. Mm-hmm. You think I did it like seven or eight times in the span of 10 weeks? Oh, wow. Because he was ready early and he uh-huh. wanted to practice that and fine tune it. And he was just kept on, you know, it didn't bring him back. So then he could eat really, really well. He kept on sort of deloading repeatedly as mm-hmm. he dieted in. And, and, with him, one of the things is that he was so he was so stressful during the peak week, as mm. it can be. You know, it's like it's the, yeah. everything's coming down to this. If I mess this up, so once he, it's kind of like preparing for a speech, right? I still get nervous right. before I have to give a talk, right? But if you, you do, do it do over it so- and over again, right. right? Then then it then it's just natural, and then after all the all the guessing work is out of it. Yeah, and you know that it's going to work. Yeah, that saves a lot. You know, I, I would used to do it yeah. with my athletes as well. Just practice many many times until it's perfect. Mm-hmm. But then not use diuretics because of course the diuretics will, you know, the, the overcompensation and you yeah. lose performance for a couple of days afterwards. So this is the reason why all these athletes are so tired and exhausted, um, oh, yeah. excluding the vasodilators. I mean, that makes you tired and exhausted also. Right. Leave, right. Um, the adenosine monophosphate injections. Um, yeah, yeah that, that makes you, you very, very, yeah, wipes you out. So for the guys that, you know, use diuretics to, practice their peaking protocol like a couple of days later if they start going heavy into the gym again it's it's quite risky mm-hmm. to 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 you know get muscle tears or just other kinds of small injuries and that will sit you back I, i've seen it happen with a couple of guys that wanted to practice their peak a month out 
And mm -hmm. it works with using diuretic, just a small amount, three days of aldactone and maybe half a diazide. And then Monday during the uh, gym doing chest, and they get injured. Yeah, because are these these guys that have a lot more water, they have sort of rebound water wise, and now their chest is fuller and no, yeah, no, no, they're, they're just the, so depleted from the water, still, right? Yeah. And, and the sodium uh, electrolyte imbalance is there, and then they want to train at the heavy uh, compounds because they're already adding in the super draw and all that stuff. So they think they're strong, but the muscle yeah. is like like dehydrated and stru structurally impaired. Yeah. And that's when they start injuring themselves, you know. So you, yeah, so I, I really like this approach that you documented in that in that article, and I think yeah. a lot of kidneys are saved this yeah. way. You know, though it can go away. What you what you said both ways. You can have someone I think who's got an electrolyte imbalance, mm -hmm. and then maybe they have with their their training you get a little bit of a, a spasm, so to speak, during, mm -hmm. and that's what causes a muscle pull. But also, some guys go in and they're just full as house right yeah and they go down to like to do a leg press let's say and like they can only go down like two-thirds as far as they normally could because their legs are so full and pumped <laughs> exactly. and, and, and it feels great right you look awesome because you're still uh, lean the vascularity is out of control but that's when a lot of people times people will get muscle tears as well yeah because there's yeah, just so, be super, so much yeah stretch stress on the connective tissue yeah right right so today i wanted to get you on to talk about all the anabolic pathways the androgen receptor, all of them. the estrogen receptor, <laughs> all of them. Well, we'll probably get to a few of them. So that's all the more reason for a part two if, if people like what we have to say. Like, I, I remember a couple of years ago, I heard you talk about the sex hormone binding globulin receptor. And I never mm -hmm. heard about this. The megalin receptor, like, yeah. Yeah, the megalin receptor, right. So a lot of people misconstrue that SHBG has to be low for your testosterone to become free. And thus they hammer the proviron or the DHT derivatives. They, they crush their, uh, the sex hormone binding globulin in, into the single digits, and then they stop making progress. So maybe we mm -hmm. can start there, uh, because the androgen receptor will take, I mean, there's so many androgens, <laughs> so many polymorphisms right. to discuss. So maybe we yeah. can start with the sex hormone binding globulin receptor complex. I, I think I was one of the few, first to really, you know, dive into it deeply on mm -hmm. YouTube, but it's being inspired by you because you were one of the first to talk about it because I, I never heard about it until I heard you talk about it on a podcast. And then of course I had to pause it and do more research. Right. <laughs> yeah. So what, what was your take on the free hormone hypothesis? That's the idea that, you know, yeah. more free testosterone is better. It's only the free that can enter the cell, right? Mm -hmm. You know, diffuse yeah. lipophilically least, through the cell membrane. Exactly. So it can it can permeate into the cell membrane and then uh, attach to the androgen receptor in the in the cytoplasm and then transfer into the nucleus, right? Where it can, um, you know, bind to several other cofactors and then start mm -hmm. transcribing DNA. But what I realized is that, of course, you know, activating the estradiol receptor or the estrogen receptor can also activate the androgen receptor. Mm -hmm. And if you um, the sex hormone binding globulin, if it attaches to the receptor complex on the cell membrane, and then mm -hmm. an androgen goes in, whether that's testosterone, dihydrotestosterone, or some of the derivatives, it increases cyclic adenosine monophosphate concentrations in uh, the cytoplasm. And this mm -hmm. can also uh, help with androgen-mediated gene transcription. So this is how I always saw it. And the funny thing is, if you go down the literature, in the beginning they say uh, SHBG binds up androgens. End of story. And then a couple right. of years later, SHBG binds up androgens and might deliver it to tissue through the SHBG receptor complex, right? So you mm -hmm. now you see it not as a something that holds the testosterone hostage, but now something right. is it 
can deliver, like albumin, for example, but it, it mm -hmm. binds strongly to the SHBG and weakly to albumin. All right, so mm -hmm. that's phase two. And then phase three was um, when the SHBG is bound to the receptor complex, testosterone can't enter, right? So it's just useless. And mm -hmm. then later on, when SHBG is bound to the receptor complex, testosterone can enter and thus mm -hmm. increase the cyclic adenosine monophosphate concentrations, which has an effect on the androgen receptor. So it, right. it's so funny when you look at the literature, the, 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 the closer you get to our timeline, the more interesting it gets. But uh -huh. even, even if you start looking now, I mean, the, I think the most recent uh, study is already several years old. So extrapolating with the limited, yeah, extrapolating with the limited data that we have, I mean, I always just told people, keep your SHPG 15, 20, 25 nanomoles per liter if possible. And in mm -hmm. this context, you see that anabolism is better, uh, libido is better, well-being is better. So at least for mm -hmm. the guys that have single-digit SHBG, because they overdo the provirin or they're on a boatload of uh, DHT derivatives, um, I feel that at one point they get stuck mm. making progress. And mm -hmm. even though their androgen index is sky high, right, because everything is now free, their mm -hmm. aggression index also sky high. <laughs> the asshole index the sky high. yeah the asshole index yeah yeah, yeah. um that's the interesting thing like a, a standard way your um, your listeners i think are very well educated especially from you but just in general you're going to get people kind of like i do people are very curious about this sort of thing so yeah. they like to listen to the sciencey stuff but when right. they do knockout for instance that just a, a runt way to test the impact of the hormone or whatever just knock out the gene for the receptor and mm -hmm. when they knock out the megalin receptor, they knock out the antigen receptor, they de see different defects, right? right? So especially for like sexual organ development, the megalin receptor, the SHBG complex receptor, um, as you were calling it, is important. It has differential effects. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, and it could be that in the developed individual or someone who's already passed sexual maturity, exactly what you're talking about, it makes sense, is that that having enough SHBG bound to the antigen binding to the megalin receptor is important for sexual well-being um, right. in the brain, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing, the thing that I don't know um, that I wonder, and I haven't, maybe you found this, is can SHBG bound to an antigen, let's say, make its way across the blood-brain barrier? Um, uh, that I'm not SH, sure. There are megalin receptors on nervous tissue. That much I know mm -hmm. has been found. But I don't know if it makes its way in the brain, but it's certainly there's certainly something in what you're saying as far as right. having SHB that's not like in the in the gutter, right? No, and it's it's so weird. So, like if the receptor complex is present on many tissues, but mm -hmm. the studies don't really uh, differentiate which tissues this uh, actually happens, where the cyclic yeah. adenosine monophosphate increases, and this makes Nebulous. it so hard. So there's a lot of extrapolation and and, and bro science mm -hmm. involved with just self experimentation. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. you, okay, you see what happens when SHBG is low, right, in serum. And then you bring that up with a selective estrogen receptor modulator or thyroid medications. Or you bring the insulin and the growth hormone and the androgens down a little bit to bring that up. And in many cases, some of the issues that most people experience regarding libido and also getting stuck making progress, mm -hmm. it, it kind of resolve themselves. And I think it's also SHPG is also one of the reasons why when you take such a long time off steroids, like I am now, and, and we can take Chase Irons as an example. Have you been following along with Chase Irons has been doing? I, I haven't. Everything I've been doing has been in German for like the last year uh, and a half. Right. I'm trying to put my German. So I'm, I missed the, like right. it's brand new to me. So what, what's Chase been doing? Okay. 
So long story short, Chase and myself, we were both uh, trying to get our wives pregnant. And I think uh, Chase yeah. had some good news that he didn't uh, publicize yet. So we'll have to wait for his announcement. Okay, he, got, okay. he got back on cycle after like months off steroids, right? doing a uh -huh. similar fertility protocol that I was doing. Then he went to back on cycle and he blew up. Yeah. He exploded. Now, of course, mm -hmm. he's running five grams of steroids and 18 units of growth. So that's the... The want to be IFB pro cycle. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. He's 280 don't pounds. Don't do this so he's, at home, kids, right? Yeah, so, don't do this right. at home. Yeah, he's, he's 280 pounds. So at least he's putting yeah. it to work. Um, but he, he, I mean, he gained like 40, 50 pounds, I think, in, right. in three months. Yeah, it's insane. Uh -huh. So, And I think the reason why he responded so well is because his SAPG was quite high. I mean, he gained some body fats. He was you know, yeah. semi-androgen deficient. And, and, and similar as mine levels, so my, my testosterone levels are like 660, 660, 700 nanograms per deciliter. But my mm -hmm. SHBG is 60, 70 nanomoles per liter. So that's like free testosterone non-existent, right? That's mm -hmm. why I look so so slim in the face now. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so I think this is also one of the reasons why progress is being made so fast, because you got a, a lot of this extra activity through the SHBG uh, RC receptor complex, a, a megalin receptor. And once that activity goes down, uh, you stop making progress. Now, of course, this is highly speculatory, but I've been actively trying to source recombinant SHBG. Ah, and I think, okay. I, I think I found the source. You know, speaking of that, when, when someone goes, would you say 18 I use of GH and then yeah. five, five grams, five grams a gear. So that's, a, I mean, like, 3000 milligrams of, uh, testosterone and 1500 milligrams of masterone or something like that wow i mean i've seen his blood work it, it looks yeah. very very good so don't worry i, I keep for, him under for now, wraps for now like for now, two, yeah. three, <laughs> two or three months into it that, that's, exactly. that's of course that's non-sustainable the thing mm -hmm. that, that i wonder in that case like I, if i had to prioritize the things that are probably contributing to this rapid regain of muscle is, is he mm -hmm. been that big before is he or is he superseded where his no, it's superseding. Yeah, this is the biggest already. and the leanest he's ever been. So I think he's 15 okay. pounds off his potential last time. And I think it's mostly because he took such a long time off. Yeah. And he, he really focused on his health. And of course, you know, you, you basically downregulate uh, all the anabolic pathways. But, mm -hmm. they, you know, in the background, the, yeah, you, you resensitize them. And of course, the what is it called? The epigenetics, right? Mm -hmm. And the muscle memory and that kind of stuff that will kind of kick in as soon as you get back on cycle. Um, but yeah, he's, he's like, 10 pounds, 15 pounds bigger than he used to be. Yeah. And there's, of course, there's uh, satellite cells. You know, he has mm -hmm. the myonuclei that are more than likely there just waiting, you know, right. to be called yeah. into action. Exactly. If I, I was going to say, if I have to prioritize <laughs> what it is that's making him grow so quickly, I probably would S put SHBG somewhere, you know, lower on the list. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> oh yeah that's all you got to do then is just go back on trt and manipulate your shpg and then boom you'll just yeah. become a monster were it so right. only so easy um I, I wish right but i do think yeah. it has a little bit of a place but at 18 units of growth and the five grams of steroids i'm sure that's more pronounced mm -hmm. than uh, you know than it, the it's SHPG. interesting too like just like kind of another thought because this is a very complex system and I, and I haven't all got it straight in my head because there's just not enough research that I found to yeah. kind of like make, make, make sense of it all. But like there's one of the theories or some things that have been studied in the context of prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. So SH, this, this megalin receptor can bring vitamin D bound to SHBG or testosterone bound or T DHT bound to SHBG. Right. Um, so one of the thoughts connected with why African-Americans 
when they're so labeled mm-hmm. in studies, have higher prostate cancer. There's the antigen receptor variability, right. CAG repeats, and that sort of thing. Yeah, but right. there's also mm-hmm. a tendency to have lower vitamin D, which would allow then more DHT to be bound to SHBG and then brought into the uh, prostate, and they and they have more they have more DHT in their prostate potentially right. for that reason. And you know, as someone who has dark skin, you're not mm-hmm. going to get the vitamin. You're more susceptible to vitamin D deficiency, right? Because you, That's you don't true. have the, 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 the skin production. So right. in, in that way, see, the thing is there's a megalin receptor in skeletal muscle. And I've only seen mm-hmm. one study that was sort of, they compared young and old men. You may have seen this study and they basically mm-hmm. concluded that there's no differences really um, that they could discern in terms of upregulation or changes in the megalin reception, older versus right. young people, just basically mm-hmm. it was non-responsive. Um, right. So that's what I wonder, like for things, and this would have, this, this applies to sexual development, like the prostate um, in particular. There we know that there's this megalin receptor that's probably playing a, a, an important role because you see all these these deficiencies in sexual development in, mm-hmm. in the knockout animal models. Um, and I'd, I'd have to look. I don't I don't remember seeing. I have to look at. The, I have to go back and look at the skeletal muscle and see what they find. Um, right. If if there's a if there's a deficiency, that would be the key piece of evidence, and I haven't found that. Um, I've right, looked, right. but I, I don't recall finding that. So if you don't have the megalin receptor and they, you could actually target that specifically to skeletal muscle. The, the gene. I think there's inhibitors of the SHBG. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Let me, um, let me look it up now. now I know. You, yeah. You to, yeah. I prepared, prepared some notes. <laughs> yeah, we got two hours here. Let's, let's just dig on the megalin receptor. Yeah. Um, but that would be the interesting thing is, is, you know, see how important is that is megalin receptor activation for skeletal muscle growth. Um, right, you know, when you knock it out specifically in the skeletal muscle, um, obviously, androgen receptor knockouts don't do well with, in terms of muscle. No, no, nothing will happen. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, nothing will happen. But I think, I think, I do think it contributes, and I, it's probably going by you know helping people over the years just improve mm-hmm. their blood work. You do see a clear mm-hmm. correlation between feeling better and and getting more productive in the gym by keeping SHBG somewhat elevated, which is always difficult when you're on dihydrotestosterone derivatives because they have such a high binding affinity mm-hmm. and, and and thus delivery of SHBG goes up. And I always looked at SHBG uh, similar to HDL, right? It gets regulated by yeah. the amount of androgens that are in the bloodstream, the production and the utilization gets regulated. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's, let's, let's not just spend two hours on the SHBG receptor. Let's, <laughs> let's go over the androgen receptor. Okay. What, what, is funny, what is funny that you mentioned that I, I wanted to get into was the, the GAC repeaters, which are uh-huh. um, apparently the higher binding affinity for the androgen receptors is partially regulated by the GAC repeaters. And the lower, the least amounts of GAC repeaters you have um, usually has higher binding affinity. And you generally see mm-hmm. this in African or full American, uh, African-American or, or full African males. Mm-hmm. And with uh, Caucasian males, they have a, a little bit higher GAC repeaters. And then some um, genetic polymorphisms have a lot of GAC repeaters. And then uh, receptor sensitivity is lost again. And these we would classify as non-responders. And, and those guys are out there. I've, I've coached mm-hmm. them. They go on two grams of testosterone. Nothing happens. And, Nothing. and so, pe- so people know like this, what you, what you're calling the GAC repeaters, that the CAG, mm-hmm. those are the base pairs in this particular sequence on the gene for the antigen mm-hmm. receptor. And so if you have more or less of those, it changes the length of the gene, length of the protein that becomes the antigen right. receptor, the proteins. And because the two pieces come together, but then you change the shape of the lock 
So mm-hmm. when the key of the antigen comes in to open that lock, if the lock is not shaped as well or it's different, the sensitivity becomes different, then you can't open the lock as well. So you don't get, right. you don't get, it changes the shape of the whole complex and that changes how it interacts with the genes and to what extent you get the antigen sensitive gene expression. So right. that gene's super important, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and there is. Go ahead. I, I do think it's, it's it's also present in Caucasians. I mean, I think this is one of the key um, changes in people with average response or or phenomenal super response uh, to to taking steroids, and then you know the the receptor binding and the affinity and the sensitivity. I think a lot of the IVB pros you would see that they use maybe very basic small cycles. That's why they're still healthy after so many years of competing. They take maybe a gram, gram and a half in total, right, of various compounds. Mm-hmm. But their their gag repeaters are so short that they get these uh, amazing uh, receptor binding and thus a lot of gene transcription. So they basically mm-hmm. get uh, you know the same gene expression that other people would get for two and a half grams a year or maybe three grams. What what's really interesting, um, and I kind of I came across this again because um, I just read through some some things just for fun to kind of get my mind in the right. into the molecular biology of of what we're talking about today. And the antigen receptor gene is on the X chromosome. So for men, they get it mm-hmm. from their mom. So yeah. guys like Sergio Oliva or Lee Labrada or um, Hunter Labrada, right? They're not getting their antigen receptor gene from their dads. They're getting no. other genes, of course, nationally that are helping them with bodybuilding. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't know what Sergio's mom looked like. I don't know anything about her. Um, I think she was think just she a was normal. Caucasian. Yeah, Woman? Caucasian, just normal physique, and uh, right. yeah, I think she was just an average, average woman that that eventually married Sergio Oliva, and I think they divorced yeah. at one point. Right. Yeah, but but when you look at the body composition of Hunter Roblada and and Sergio Oliva, they're actually bigger and denser and more muscular than their parents. But of course, that's also a sign of the times. Right? Yeah. yeah, we're we're knowing a lot more about pharmacology and bodybuilding in general compared to back then. Yeah, well. Hunter's mom was is pretty tall. I think she's oh. she's like five or six inches taller than Lee. She's pretty oh, tall. Good, she's a beautiful good woman. Him. She's big and she's good trained. She's a muscular person. Okay, um, right. Yeah, so that that's probably part of that. But that is the interesting thing. I, I don't think those guys were using there as much as what's being used today. No. Like they're, they're, they're no. so they're yeah they're they're doing it very very differently. Um, yeah, my kids, my kids are going to be lucky if they get the androgen receptor from my wife because she, naturally she has higher <laughs> testosterone levels. And of uh-huh. course, she never placed out of the top three when she was doing a bikini slash figure competitions. It's like wellness before there was wellness. So it's in between bikini and figure, but then okay. excluding the androgens on the day mm-hmm. of the competition, obviously. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? right? I'm not going into details, but I did help her here and there. Um, uh-huh. So so she responded very well to these things that are involved in bodybuilding. And that's why we always had to keep her protocols quite moderate. So she didn't get into a virilization effects. Mm-hmm. And so if my kids inherit her androgen receptor, uh, maybe a little bit of back and, and uh, calf development on my end, then I think they will be good bodybuilders. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, that's, well, she had high, she has high testosterone naturally. So you've had this obviously blood work yeah. to substantiate this, but, yeah, but so you haven't very probably happy. done a genetic test for her antigen receptor. So it may be, no. maybe a little both. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Right. There's Could a Scandinavian old. study that I can send you. Sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Mm-hmm. Scandinavian study. And they, there was a, like six women. It was a very, mm-hmm. very small number of subjects, and they and they trained them for probably longer than twelve weeks. They typically did longer training studies, and the correlation between muscle growth and testosterone. I think it was t- 
total testosterone levels was mm-hmm. 1.0. It's a perfect relationship. <laughs> or like 0.99 is like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot there. It's a lot there. So anyway, yeah. I kind of cut you off, but I can send you no, that study okay. if I can find it. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, please, please, if you can find it. Otherwise, I'll have a look for it and I'll link it down below because everybody's going to ask about it now. <laughs> Maybe they want to marry uh, Scandinavian women for the most anabolic children they can get. <laughs> <laughs> but there was some low and some high, so you're gonna have you're like anywhere you're gonna have you know right. a normal distribution. No, you them, if 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 you want to go that route, you send them in for genetic analysis first, yeah. and then you can only get married if they have high <laughs> testosterone levels and high or low um, gag repeaters on the androgen receptor. And then yeah. you're, like, you're the perfect specimen, my Amazonian goddess. Let's get hitched. <laughs> that, that's that. Well, that's what I wondered because interesting. Like if you believe, let's say this is kind of being overly sciencey and nerdy about this but if you believe in what the statistics would suggest let's say you have a correlation of and you got normal distribution blah, 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 and correlation of 0.99 or one that would suggest mm-hmm. that all of their variability in muscle growth can be attributed to in this case i believe it was total testosterone level. maybe it was free i can't remember one of the two right all of it that means nothing else matters scientifically right. looking at that so the energy receptor wouldn't make a difference whatsoever no. it was strictly testosterone in this case, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's how it works. I think we've got new, we've got this energy receptor gene polymorphism at play. We have mm-hmm. people with naturally, especially women with naturally higher testosterone levels. We've got the phosphodiesterase, the enzymes mm-hmm. that, that cleave away the esters of esterified hormones and give you greater bioavailability. There's all these things, plus, you know, things going on in the muscle that all add up. And once you have like five or 10 of the, the main players in your favor, you've got a freak you know, yeah. you got someone who's just out of this world. Exactly. So, so we'll, we'll do our genetic analysis when we go back to the United States at the end of this year, because we'll do the Swiss uh, symposium and then the Mr. Olympia, oh, okay. obviously, and uh-huh. we'll, we'll be there again, but genetic testing in Thailand isn't available. They only have circle DNA, oh, really? which doesn't give you the, the, the in-depth insight you would like to have from like 23 and me uh-huh. or some of the other services. So, I'll uh, I'll order a saliva kit when I go back to the U.S. and then me and my wife will both do it, and hopefully by the time she's well, already pregnant, so we can kind of guesstimate what the baby will be. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. not going to find a renegade scientist and try to manipulate the baby. Okay, this is what we got. No, no. <laughs> right? I mean, I think that's a little bit in this infancy. You can actually go to um, where? Where was it? I think there's a couple countries that that yeah, offer it where you can. Uh, select the eye color and the gender mm-hmm. and, and so many different things and exclude some of the defects, right? So yeah. uh, it's pricey though, but of course uh-huh. it will be well worth it. But I, I think it's a little bit in its infancy to really start dabbling with that. I mean, we're talking about the life of a of a person. Yeah. You know, I do know two people who've done it. They uh-huh. did IVF and then gene manipulation and they they're, they have healthy children. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's it- give them 15 years, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's a couple movies I think too, or maybe I don't know much about this. You're, you know more than I do, but mm. where you you would fertilize, or the, the theory or the idea would be you fertilize multiple eggs, mm-hmm. and then you do a genotype um, yeah. somehow. You select the ones, yeah, and then select, select the, the one. ones that have the have the or te- we're going to have the characteristics that you'd like to see. So this one's going to be a little bit shorter, but have more intelligence. Eh, we want the tall one, the tall and right. pretty, but not so smart, like. You know, we, we have we have various features we can get, so you can build kind of build your own burrito, so to speak, in terms of yeah, your offspring. Exactly. <laughs> and then they grow up and they wonder, like, why are my parents so short and so small, and and am I adopted? I, I think you get into those issues because they don't look anything like the parent. It can happen. 
It can totally yeah. happen though. I like my, my aunt, my uncle, both brown hair, brown eyes, and both of their children have, both my cousins have blonde hair and blue eyes. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Okay. So this so one any, 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 any side missions? There's, there's that... no mailman that looks like, you know, no, no Scandinavian mailman that I'm aware yeah. of, you know, nothing like that. Um, exactly. There was a guy That's I so played funny. football with who was like an all American and his dad was like five, four and he was six, four. He was, and he was, his dad was a muscular guy, but he's probably, um, you know, 180 pounds and his son was 280 coming out of high school. He went, you know, wow. played professional football. So you'd see the two of them and it like, it was like, it was like the father and son, the, the their roles were juxtaposed because right. the son was, was much bigger than the dad. So I think it's also like the amount of protein intake that you have in your younger years, because the amount of protein signaling that, that increases height. Right. And if you mm -hmm. eat a little bit better, your estrogen levels are better manipulated and that helps with the growth plates and all that stuff, you know, so you can mm -hmm. be taller. I, I think, you know, if you give your kids like a head start regarding nutrition and exercise and overall, you know, health, then, mm -hmm. then you can actually get them a lot taller. So with me, the opposite happened. My mom is shorter than me and my, my dad is taller than me. Mm -hmm. But I think it's because I started bodybuilding at the age of 15 and I didn't understand nutrition. And I was just chronically uh -huh. under eating. Yeah. And that's why I didn't get as tall. And I was a little bit of a skinny fat kid when I was younger. So my estrogen levels mm -hmm. were probably higher. So my growth plates closed earlier, um, right. you know, minimizing the maximum height that I could have reached. Yeah. I had you know, a, a the, swim coach um, who actually he was in, um, he was in Sports Illustrated. They had like a, a faces in the crowd, um, like mm -hmm. this kind of ex extraordinary um, athletic uh, feats. And he actually, he was in a relay. So he had kind of a jump start, but he set a world record in the 50 meter freestyle at the age of like 44 or something like that. Wow. And he was a really good swimmer, swam, swam, mm. swam, kind of like what wrestlers do, gymnasts do, what you were kind of doing as a bodybuilder. He was, you know, mm. undernourished relative to his, his caloric expenditure. And he was like, he went to swim in college and finally he had access to all you can eat at the cafeteria. Right. And he could nourish himself the way he wasn't like stuck in school, like, you know, peanut butter right. and jelly sandwiches or whatever. And swimmers, you know, swimmers train, they just notorious for just massive volume. training. Yeah, I, I used to do that before I did bodybuilding. I used okay. to swim like, like hours per week. Yeah. You know, that, that probably stunted my growth also because you, you want to be competitive. And I started swimming because I had asthma. So going to the, the, you yeah. know, the, the, the swimming pool, it was the cleanest air environment we had because air uh -huh. purifiers were not a thing in the early eighties. I didn't, yeah. That's how old I am, <laughs> you know, from the early 80s. Yeah. So at the time, I mean, air purifiers we didn't have. And if you suffer from asthma, going to the swimming pool was the best environment for you to breathe normally. You could regulate mm -hmm. your breathing. So I did it since I was three years old. Yeah. yeah from three okay. to 15. So, so I, you... I swam competitively and I wasn't very good, but we, we used to swim quite a bit. <laughs> two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon. Like that's, that's was. Yeah. Like, like two like, hours, I... two hours a day. Yeah. 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 Well, some, he was swimming more than that. Like there was a, a guy that I went to high school with who was, he went and swam in college too. And I swam in mm -hmm. high school. I was, I was the captain of my high school football team or high oh, school right. swim team and football team, but right. swim teams, awesome. but we weren't very good. We were awful. I, I was yeah. okay as a kid, but, but we just fucked right. around. We didn't swim much, but this guy did mm -hmm. the thing that happened to him, but in like his freshman and sophomore year, he, he grew, I think eight inches or 10 inches. Wow. And he went from he started like eating. He started eating, yeah and, yeah, and and he caught up on that growth. <laughs> right. so that's the thing that's I wonder, you know, is to what extent that can happen. It doesn't can happen in gymnasts, 
but for him, mm-hmm. he grew almost a foot. So he went from, you know, X number of strokes to get X bar in the, in the pool. Now it's, uh-huh. you know, I don't know the exact numbers, but you know, his used to take him 21 strokes and now he could do, now it took him 17 because he's, he's wow. now got a wingspan yeah, that's like, you know, eight, exactly. inches, eight inches greater. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should stop training for a year. Also see if I can get any taller than five, nine. <laughs> 189 is a growth hormone, right? See if you grow. Don't do it. No, don't. Don't do it. No, 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 no. There's not enough telomeres and flows into the world to mitigate the side effects. I'm I'm over it. I'm going to be a dad soon. I'm uh, whatever muscle I have right now, just TRT. That's it. Yeah. Let's get back to the androgen receptor. So we we have so many androgens, right, that we can utilize testosterone, Mm -hmm. dihydrotestosterone, mastrone, primabolin, trimbolone, everybody's favorite. Also mm-hmm. interacts with the progesterone receptor. Yeah. But when we look at it, you see that androgens don't only interact with the androgen receptor, also interact with the progesterone, the estrogen, and, and mm-hmm. some of the other receptors. Um, so I would like to ask you, like, should we hammer the androgen receptor doing a five gram cycle, or should we just do it a little bit uh, more modestly and look into overlap? between other receptors and, and, and of course, going into the uh, growth hormone receptor pathway and the insulin receptor, IGF-1, et cetera. Like after so many years in bodybuilding, doing so many research, what, what would you say is like the best approach, the safest approach when it comes to these pathways? Uh, to be honest with you, take a step back. I, I avoid drug talk at all possible, to be honest. And I, and I, do oh, really? all of, yeah, ah. I, don't do, I really don't like even on my podcast, I don't, I, with my consultations, I think you've uh-huh. there you are back um i i let people ask whatever question they want and i'll give them my best answer so uh-huh. i am never prescriptive as far as this okay. i really am not but here's the thing that's interesting and this is why i don't think why these questions are still being answered mm-hmm. not being answered still being asked okay. is, is that is that we are talking about and i've got a post i'm kind of developing i'm looking back to sort of um to be able to substantiate some of these things. We're talking about a, a male who produces a primary antigen of testosterone to the mm-hmm. tune of seven to 10 milligrams a day, right? Right. Um, so normally you think about um, homeostatic mechanisms, kind of like a thermostat at home, and mm-hmm. we're going to regulate around that. That's what sort of happens. You go much above that, maybe with 300 milligrams testosterone. Some people get estrogenic side effects. Some people don't. The whole mm-hmm. system, that would normally shut down the testosterone. The whole system set up to regulate around there. And you would expect to, in many cases, this is the case with many systems, that once you go to super physiological levels, mm-hmm. you get desensitization. The antigen right. receptor tends to upregulate in so many cases, but you still right. see desensitization. There's other mechanisms involved there. Um, right. So we've got a system that's sort of set up to work within these physiological parameters. And now we're adding in other drugs that bind the antigen receptor, and we're adding them in in amounts that are way beyond what the system has genetically attuned itself to through evolutionary mm-hmm. processes, right? right? So now, I hate that I'm going to just say it, it's, it's kind of a crapshoot in it large is. part. For the reason that we talked about, yeah, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. <laughs> it so is, it is. If you have, you know, X number of CAG repeats, and there's another um, segment of the antigen receptor that hasn't been substantiated as being that important, at least in, in ways mm-hmm. that we can discern with the studies that are out there, but does change the shape. And, and there's a couple, I can't remember which, you know, uh, I can find I, I have it somewhere in my database. Um, yeah, there's, there's, some, another there's some mutations sequence. to it. Uh, there's different, see. yeah, there's different um, phenot- or genotypes there. 
Well, you so, have two isoforms, right? You have an uh, androgen receptor A and B, and one is uh, 87 kilodaltons, and the B is 110 kilodaltons. Um, just pulling this off of uh, Wikipedia, by the way. So estrogen receptors are or androgen receptors? Androgen receptors, apparently, in, uh, two isoforms, oh, an A and well, a B. There's, mo- there's probably multiple, because there's the, the classical, and then there's mm-hmm. the membrane-bound, which is a, is oh, a whole right. other yeah, yeah. situation. Of course. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so when then we talk about think about this lock and key hypothesis, very simple way to think about it. So mm-hmm. now you're talking about you go to five grams a week, or let's say you go to two and a half or twenty seven hundred milligrams mm-hmm. a week. Now you're way beyond physiological levels. And oh what, yeah, and so you're your personal you're X. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So your your personal dose response there um, is going to vary depending on just that one aspect of your mm-hmm. receptor. And then all the other downstream elements that are involved in in translating that signal, um, mm-hmm. transducing that signal into expression, in this case, a protein synthesis, whatever, right. and then and then whatever binding affinity your progesterone receptor, your glucocorticoid receptor, your estrogen receptor w- might have to that steroid hormone, that's just the testosterone. And then when we start taking other antigens into account, now we're jamming other keys in all of those locks, all of which are unique to you. So you're like that janitor, right? Everyone's a janitor right. with their, and you've got these, all these keys, all, you know, all the different energy you can try uh-huh. and you have your own locks. Let's say they're all lined up on your, on your midsection here <laughs> and you're trying to jam them in there and try to figure out how to open up things as best you possibly can. But oh man. Your lock and your it's combination gonna... of those locks is going to be very, it's going to vary depending on who right. you are, who your parents were. Right. So, also so are, you, are you not? Wait, 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 wait yeah, let me interject. Through. Are you now Please. saying that we can only get the answers through self experimentation? <laughs> well, I think there's an answer that it's going to be highly variable, whether you're yeah. willing to risk that, you know? And the right. thing is, yeah, to some degree, that's what, what it's going to come down to. The thing right, is, let's ask the audience l- yeah. let us know down below if you're willing to risk opening all these locks <laughs> with the testosterone derivatives. Put yeah. it in the comment section, guys, please. <laughs> I'm sure they, well, that's why they're, that's what they're here for, right? That's what they're here for, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's what they're looking for. I saw some, right. you know who Harrison Pope is? He's a psychologist no. who's done, um, I think he's finding stuff, he's a psychologist, done all the stuff sort of on anabolic steroid dependence and addiction and a lot of mm-hmm. epidemiological work. Um, right. And he has a paper, he's got a couple papers where he's sort of documented one of the idea that. Um, multiple studies have kind of looked done just surveys and they're and they're flawed to some degree because they go into gyms and they ask steroid users or people going to be anonymous ah right yeah fill out the survey fill out the survey thing right and it shows like depending on which which of these studies look at like 15 20 maybe as many as much as 30 percent have dependence they they match the dsm criteria for dependence um so that's the risk if you're going to it's kind of like if you're going to start opening up those locks when doing so, if you're someone mm-hmm. who tends to have quote unquote an addictive personality, I'm using the kind of layman term here, uh-huh. then you have maybe about a one in third chance or one in four chance of developing a dependence where you can't help yourself, but want to keep on wanting to stick different, different keys in um, yeah. different steroids. And, and some, to some degree, that's the thing you stick, you stick in, say you stick in Trenbolone, a good example, yeah. right? It's like, this is a really good antigen. Re- this is a really good key for the antigen receptor lock. Yeah. Uh oh. But it also, I didn't mean, mean to stick it in the progesterone receptor. Whoopsie. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. And, and then we have this... all these all these issues where you know one person says, "Hey, I'm doing like 600 milligrams of trenbolone, and my my 
sex drive is out of the roof and my everyone's happy and you know i'm doing things that i never thought i'd do sexually what have you and then someone else is <laughs> yeah is, this is very common i mean yeah. i'm in thailand i see it happen around me all the time yeah the sexual uh, the, deviancy induced by trimbolo and i, I had a, yeah. a very good podcast with dr dean saint mart about the neurological effects about these steroids and this is where the dependency uh -huh. comes from because yeah. your dopaminergic system is so upregulated and now you get dependent on the superphysiological mm -hmm. level of steroids and whether that's um testosterone or some of the other ones um i mean this is one of the reasons why most people that come off after decades of steroid use they're not as productive and their libido is not as high and their mood mm -hmm. is not as good it's exactly i mean i'll raise my hair i hand the first one i'll be the first one to admit it this is exactly yeah. what i'm undergoing right now right motivation and drive and all that stuff is just at an all-time low even though clinically I'm still in the reference range, 600, 700 nanograms per deciliter. Like you do create a little bit of a dependency. Yeah. And, and that's why I'm mm -hmm. secretly fantasizing about going back on TRT, um, <laughs> even though I'm fully functional. Secret's yeah, out, I'm fully functional. Yeah, in, yeah right now, everybody knows. As soon as I start growing, people know exactly what's going on. Um, right. And I'm transparent about it, right? I'm not going to hide it from people. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm secretly fantasizing about my next cycle and whatever that mm -hmm. might be. Um, you know, because I do feel that productivity is up, libido is up, basically quality of life is up. And this mm -hmm. is the risk that everybody runs when they start dabbling with, you know, performance enhancing drugs, particularly steroids. Once you get used to racing or driving at 100 kilometers per hour, going back to 60, it's kind of slow. Mm -hmm. But you're still the, driving. <laughs> the, thing, the thing that's interesting, and I picked up on this in my learning German here recently, is... Uh -huh. is um, when dopamine's released, that also that also causes the release of um, brain derived neurotrophic factor, right. which is very mm -hmm. important for forming neural networks. Right. Mm -hmm. So our brain is basically, and I, I'm still in this kind of these thoughts from a guy named Manfred Spitzer. He's a German kind of he's a physician and a sort of neurophysiologist. He talks a lot about cell phone use and social media and and loneliness. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And our and our brain and the, you know, those things are very closely tied, unfortunately. The yeah, more social no, media, it's, it's like just, the more more lonely you tend to be on average. Thank God we grew up in a day without it. You know, now we can I utilize know. it to our benefits. But all these kids, I really worry for them. You know, fuck it's. I mean, and that, yeah, yeah, that's where I'm going. Is that is that when you, for instance, if you're in a situation where your dopamine levels are elevated and you you've changed the neurochemical state of your brain, every time we under you you can't help but learn. Your brain is constantly every time you have an experience. It basically mm -hmm. leads to a, a, um, a mechanical changing, You're basically re restructuring the, as they say, the neurons that fire together, wire together. So you're constantly mm -hmm. learning. And the more excited yeah. you are about things, the better your learning process, the more of this brain-derived neurotrophic factor goes. So if you're constantly on, you're up when you're on gear, let's say, mm -hmm. you're, you're basically rewiring yourself, your brain, to be one that, of course, functions on gear. You're sort of setting, setting your brain up to have a dependency on that for what you your your cognitively your, your perception that we see as a a normal way of being so everything's right. then shifted right yeah. and then and when you, you come, come off, off it <laughs> right and, yeah. that, and that's the side to back to your question that sort of led us this direction is you know if you're willing to start picking at those those putting those keys in um to the locks not knowing you know to what extent they're going to impact you the issue that you, this catch 22 that you can run into mm. is that to some degree, now you're changing your perception of reality with the dopamine. 
You're changing your brain, uh, essentially. Uh, yeah. And you can no longer then step back outside of yourself and mm-hmm. as the watcher, so to speak, see how you've changed and what you're, what you're changing yourself into that mm-hmm. you can't necessarily hold without this exogenous substance or these exogenous substances, which can be not the best thing for your health to hold you in place. So you lose yeah. your objectivity. And uh-huh. this is probably the worst with, with women, um, I think, because mm-hmm. they can, they respond so much to androgens, so tremendously to androgens, but right. their psychology can change, I think, even more so than men. Because we're already wired, you know, generally to be, be and in an androgenic way, let's say, whereas women, mm. um, my, one of my best friends from years ago, she was a high level body, but she would have been a pro easily. Um, nowadays they've got mm. the cards. Um, and she, she said she learned so much cause she was, she was trained with a bunch of guys and they kind of made her into a lab rat. Right. And they gave her a bunch oh, of no. stuff and she just grew. She's okay. She came out of it. All right. It's it didn't, okay. it didn't okay. fuck yeah. her up. She's, she's, she's one of my best friends. She's super solid, but okay, she'd good. been, you know, in relationships and, and had been her, been through her trials and tribulations relationship wise but she was mm-hmm. actually grateful because she knew what it or she had a sense that she knew what it was like to think like a man with ah. those antigens in there to think like you know hey okay i'm done with you get out of my bed and go go home like the stuff that, you know <laughs> an asshole guy would do she had those thoughts and that's not her right no and she could right, step but that's energy mediated yeah it's energy mediated you know and it's it's not i mean robert sapolsky would say testosterone makes us pro-social um, mm-hmm. and maybe some androgens make us pro asshole. I don't know exactly. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And it's the yeah. same as alcohol in that extent, right? If you're already yeah. in a little bit of a, a asshole tendency, uh, before you drink alcohol or before you take the trimbalone sandwich, then you get mm-hmm. worse on it. Now I vouch never to touch trimbalone eight years ago when my wife kind of asked me to stop. Uh-huh. Um, so I haven't touched it in such a long time and most of my progress I've made since then. So I do know that you can make progress without the trembolone sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you do notice and on, on trend, you don't notice how much of a arrogant a-hole you are, right? Mm-hmm. And how single-mindedly driven you are for your bodybuilding tendencies and nothing else. I right? forget mm-hmm. about, you know, making money or, or doing other stuff. You just want to train, eat, sleep, and fuck basically on trend. <laughs> Are the high dose high high enough dose, um, and then you come off of it. And you, again, you can take a step backwards for you know running that amount of you know androgens, and then you realize mm-hmm. like wait a minute, I was a different person. You know, mm-hmm. sexual deviancy and and aggression and all these weird things started to happen to my body. But in the moment, you don't realize it because it feels so normal. And then when you do come off it, it yeah, it, you realize like wait a minute, I was different. I mean, I realize it now that I'm different compared to being on just basic TRT. Mm-hmm. Even though I will say that I like myself more on TRT than I do now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just you're... from a, from a business perspective, like there's so uh-huh. many guys um, using TRT for their, uh, you know, entrepreneurial benefit because mm-hmm. they feel more driven and they can work longer and they sleep better and all these little underlying issues that they had while being, you know, with a testosterone of 500 to 700 nanograms per deciliter, they no longer have because now they're at a thousand or 1200, maybe slightly super physiological. Mm-hmm. And they, they feel 10 times better. And then all these little issues that they would be frustrated about, uh, loss of motivation or, or loss of sleep or whatever, those are non-issues. And thus, mm-hmm. they can perform better. This is why TRT is so popular now. And of course, the dopamine levels are you know positively correlated with testosterone levels. So the higher testosterone is, the higher your dopamine levels are going to be. And thus, the, the brain-drive neurotropic factor goes up and you can learn more and be more productive. And, and, you know, memory or recollection and that kind of stuff. So it is hard to stop. Mm-hmm. 
after you see that yeah. your income goes from, let's say, $50,000 to $100,000, and we'll leave it up to the audience to think if that's yeah. per year or per month, um, <laughs> there, yeah, there can, it can be a big difference. Yeah, it can be a oh, big yeah. difference. Yeah, yeah. It can be a yeah. big difference. Yeah. Have you ever read Round Sicard? I think is how you say his name, who sort of discovered testosterone. He was one of the first people to sort of isolate it. He was oh, a yeah, researcher. The, the German scientist? I think he may have been French. Um, Sicard? Oh, French. Yeah, I yeah. They, I think he may have been French. Um, and he I, I isolated tried to look it, what and then was he, the first. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. No, but he, well, he, he was, he basically did TRT. He was like in his seventies and there's like, there's a, there's a, I've seen this oh. depicted a couple of times that he injected into himself and it used to be like he worked in his lab and he could only like stand working for like an hour. And then he went to where he could stand for like three or three and a half hours. Right. And then normally you'd have uh. to take a break and that would be the end. And then he would then be able to work for like another hour and a half past that, you know? So his, he literally saw right. psychological performance enhance. Those were sort of the first performance enhancing effects that were attributed right. to testosterone. So, and that, and the thing yeah, about THC that's, go ahead, please. Yeah, especially if he was 70. I mean, he, he probably was yeah. like low, low levels. So he was the first guy on TRT. Was, it, was this the guy that got the Nobel Prize for his work on uh, sex hormones? I think he, he shared have. it with somebody. He yeah. Might have. yeah, I think one of the, the earliest one. developers on sex hormones, including testosterone, they, they, maybe who you're. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. The, the, the most beautiful book. Uh -huh. uh, the uh, the steroids book. Steroids handbook. What is it called? It's like 650 pages of <laughs> yeah, it's, literature. It's really expensive, too. Yeah. It's really expensive. Yeah. I have it, yep. though. I bought it. Uh, okay. Uh, I yeah. It. I, I love that I didn't book. buy it. I probably should. I probably should. Yeah. I'll send you. I'll send it to you. It's a PDF. <laughs> okay. Well, don't tell the, yeah. I don't, I don't like. <laughs> Taking, I, I've had so much of my copyright stuff stolen. I, I shan't do it to anyone else. Tell, tell, so tell me about it. Like I'll I'm sure it. you're be your be your own bodybuilding coach. I'm sure it's being able to be downloaded. All my eBooks are out there for free. And and I mean, what yeah. can you do? Fingers How crossed. Much? Fingers crossed. Somebody gets some benefits and then um, gets a little bit of a karma and and says, you know what? This this eBook was so beneficial. Mm. I'm going to buy it. Right. Yeah. That's what I hope for. Right, so, I've, I've gotten that see. a couple times. I think yeah. most, and this is we're getting off topic now, but I think most That's of the time good. when when people are they're just looking for something free, quick, and easy, and they're like, oh, "I'm not going to mm. buy the book." Those people don't benefit from it a lot of the times, unfortunately, because they right. just when they get into my book, it's like, "Oh my god, I'm going to have to read all these pages." Like, I just want to know what I'm, <laughs> just tell me what I'm supposed to do. I loved that book. Yeah, I yeah. loved it. I I, watched, <laughs> I read it like three times, and I went through all the references because you have so many. And it's, I mean, it's such a great learning, you know, even for advanced bodybuilders who've been doing this for such a long time, you think, you know, and then you read your book and you're like, wait a minute, I'm maybe 50% there. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, it's a good guys. I'll link it down below. Be your own bodybuilding coach. It's one of Thank the best you. books. If you're into uh, next level bodybuilding, it's, uh, it'll, it'll open your mind. Yeah. So open back to this question though, with the locks on the, you know, and all the keys and this sort mm -hmm. of thing, because this is super important. This is the main question. You know, yeah. should I do this? Should I do? Should should I not do this? And I think before you start doing, it, you have to realize that these each of these locks opens up a Pandora's box. Maybe one other way to look at it. Mm. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're in that thirty percent who might develop a dependence. Um, yeah. I'll never forget one of my earliest shows. There was a guy who won the show. He looked amazing. He he was he could have easily gone on and maybe maybe even gotten a pro card. And this was back like this is in like two thousand three, I think. And I remember I was sitting like right next to him in the athletes meeting. Um, this is before the show even. And he looked, he just mm -hmm. destroyed everybody. 
And he said, all I want to do is be done with this and try and see if I can rectify all of my failed relationships, all the stuff that I fucked up in the last three oh, months. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. so, he, because he realized this, you know, I never saw him again. And I actually, I know that, actually, I did see him a couple of years later. He was, he was hypogonadal and struggling with mm. how to come out of that. And this is before, um, you know, people knew what we kind of know today. But so you're opening right. up all those things. And the thing that I would encourage people to do is, is to think about before you open those is to think, so wh- what do I have to fall back on? And you, I know you trained for many, 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 many years before you decided to become a Sith Lord. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 10 years, drug free. Right. I didn't yeah. go anywhere, but I was also a full-time <laughs> business consultant. So this right. is just like an afterthought, like a, a crazy hobby that I love to do research, love to train. Right. But I was trying to make a career in, in you know, financial business consulting. And then just mm-hmm. like what is happening now, we had a little bit of an economic crisis and there were no jobs. So mm-hmm. then I decided to get my hands dirty, but I was already mm-hmm. 26. So that's like grandpa level for compared to the kids, what they're doing nowadays. I mean, I see kids in my comment section, 17 years old, no, 18 years old on, on testosterone and, and trembolone and stuff. It's crazy. And your brain is not fully formed. The prefrontal cortex, I mean, it's like roughly 25. Um, right. And uh, I would suggest people pick up uh, Robert's appointment. <laughs> The people who I'm suggesting this to are not to be the ones who are going to lead. They're not going to read it. No, no, no. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. 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 Debo only cycles. That's what they're going to do. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Fortunately. But the basic idea is that, well, you don't know what you don't know. And I'm trying to tell you that you don't know to some degree what you'll know 10 years later, you know, by the time you're 25 or when you're 26, like, okay, I've been at this for 10 years. I've been training. Um, I know that I can fall back and you still train. It's not like you're mm-hmm. just like hanging out on the couch and whatever. You're, I'm no, sure you still I still go to the gym. To the gym. I mean, yeah. I, I've been off cycle for seven months. I still go to the gym four or mm-hmm. five times a week. Of course, I yeah. love it. I mean, training yeah. is the foundation. The rest comes right. afterwards, right? First, you learn how to train. Then you learn how to diet. And then exactly. you learn how to supplement. And then maybe some performance-enhancing drugs later on under guidance. Right. But I'll be the first one to admit it. At 26, I researched for already five, six years, right? Because mm-hmm. I wanted to know what I was getting myself into. And now looking back, I knew fuck all back then. And <laughs> right. I'm sure when I'm 50, I'll say the same thing. I'll, I knew fuck all when I was close to 40, which is where I am now, right? Yeah. So I think with every decade that you pass, especially now since I'm a full-time uh, you know, YouTuber and, and talking about these things multiple times per week, you know, the older you get, the more you, you, know, you dive into it, the more you mm-hmm. learn. And then, of course, with 10 years of more scientific literature, we'll know more. And then like in the beginning you see that certain practices we uh, do are proven with scientific evidence. And then later on it, it's disproven again. Yeah. So everything keeps evolving. And, but that's why, why it is so interesting, but I mean, really understanding what you're getting yourself into. I think it takes a decade to learn that. At least, at least to have, have yeah. an inkling of whether you should start sticking one of those locks one of those yeah. things, one of those locks well we we can take endocrinologists as an example i mean they have a, a four-year a six-year uh you know university and then residency internships and mm-hmm. then they get their medical license so it's almost a decade before they're mm-hmm. even allowed to talk about testosterone replacement therapy or or, or insulin or some of the other endocrine hormones to patients mm-hmm. it takes a decade yeah yeah yes. so, so so how long did you wait scott uh I, my first tested show was, yeah. I'd been training for 19 years. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So That's good. 
That's oh, yeah. okay. No, I mean, that's I just love to train. Like all that yeah. stuff. It, it, to be honest, to some degree, the drug mm-hmm. stuff is not all that interesting. It's not because no, of course, of yeah. course, but that's what what gets the views. <laughs> it is. It is. Unfortunately. Yeah, and and I think I think I mean I I, I should probably try to come up with a with a thought experiment. I can, I'm kind of thinking of one now as we speak. Mm-hmm. Is that I mean it's um. The thing, especially if you're starting before the age of 25, let's say you're after only been training for a mm. few years. When when you're doing that, you're almost doing a deal with the devil in that you're increasing mm. your likelihood of, of changing your brain. Um, right. You're increasing the likelihood that when I've seen this so many times, and I am over 50, right? So I can, yeah. I mean, have whatever that. Oh, you've been around. Was, yeah, you've I've been, been around for a little while, yeah. Right. As people who they don't want to train anymore, they're not when they get to where you are, and of course you're entrenched in this, so. Mm-hmm. That helps a lot. You've basically got kind of supporting environment. Like if you just stop training, like then your business would go to hell. It just, it doesn't fit your whole life. is sort no. of oriented, situated around training and, right. and bodybuilding. And, mm-hmm. and, and mine always has been, I mean, I haven't been, I don't go to the gym. Hard. I go in my, in my barn and train in the heat in Florida, right. Southern Florida with no air conditioner. Because, oh man, I, I love to. it. That's what I, I do. To. Yeah, well, yeah. I do the same thing here. We in Muscle Factory, we don't do air conditioning. I go there four yeah. times a week, and one times it's, a week I go to an air conditioned gym. Dude, I've been doing this for decades, just in the, yeah. in the heat, and, and whether right. it's the middle of the day, and then you still get it done. But we love it. This. this is how we got introduced. But I think a lot of people nowadays they get introduced to fitness through social media, and they go for the look, mm-hmm. not for yes. the camaraderie and the and the mm-hmm. you know the subculture and the you know the networking. And of course, the training hard and, and setting goals and attaining them, just to training hard, you know, and then figuring out what the ideal training strategy is and whether right. it's dark crab training or fortitude training or mountain dog training, right? All these things you can explore and you take the best parts out of all of it, which works with your body, especially when you get older, fortitude training does start to make a lot more sense. Uh, so you don't, right. you know, hammer yeah. your joints so much. Right. Uh, and then, of course, the audience would say, no, 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 Steve, just more nandrolone. <laughs> or Nandrolone, you'll be okay, right? Right. Yeah. At one point, you realize that, oh, wait a minute, I can't run even Nandrolone anymore, so I do have to do some fortitude training. And right. Then, and, and these things are, are very, very interesting, but I found that, you know, mo- at least most of my audience, they just want to know about drugs, and then they go to Mike Isretel for the Renaissance periodization, and then they try to combine both. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, leave, leave as many reps and reserves as you can, right? That's yeah. Just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> people go but, nuts. <laughs> but when you do go to kind of the dark side, um, I mean, I, I don't. Has there ever been like a Sith Lord that then became a Jedi and went back? I don't know that they that they do. Like that's sort oh yeah, of, many, yeah, yeah, okay. many, many. I've, go, I've, okay. So I've I've helped through consultations. With, no, I, I mean, mean like I'm, in the movies, in the movie, in the Star Wars trilogy. Like uh, I'm just developing oh, kind Star of Wars. here. Yeah, I'd have to ask Neatus of the Star Wars theory. He was also part of the group of the TRT okay. group. Um, yeah. And he's he's the the expert, the resident expert on Star Wars. So right. Anitos, if you're watching, just let us know down below if a Sith Lord went back to the Jedi, whether that's um, you know in the in the canon material or the non-canon yeah. material. Uh, I'm sure Anitos will watch this video because he's also a fan of yours. So, but I I think there are certainly people who've gone back to TRT after having been like yeah. there's there's many. No, but off um, off also, yeah, I've talked to many. Or off, right, Sue? Yeah, but I think a large number of people just lose their love for the sport altogether. They lose it. They lose everything. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, that, that's very know. true. We can and take Sean Ray as an example. <laughs> yeah. I mean, see, I've loved, I think he does love the sport. He doesn't, he doesn't like to train, right? He doesn't train anymore. Um, yeah. And he was tremendously gifted. I mean, he looked the way he yeah. did at 21. I think it, he was the youngest Amazing. person who won a pro card at that time. You know? Yeah. yeah he was true, just crazy. True. 
Um, but I think for for some people, uh, the the large majority of people, sort of in the central area of the bell curve with average mm-hmm. genetics, who are being kind of disillusioned by what's capable, what's possible right. for them mm-hmm. based on social media, what have you, is that you you have to, and it's kind of an unknown risk, but I, in large part, there's a giant risk that you're going to lose the possibility just because of maybe changing your brain chemistry, changing mm-hmm. like what you get out of training, like. It's a totally different sense of when you just go in the gym and you don't have to, your diet can be shit. And like, if you're blasting gear and you're just, you're going up by 10 pounds every time Mm. you do an exercise another time. You can do everything wrong when you're on cycle, especially in the beginning, because you'll make those gains anyway, if you do it right without the gear. But I mean, like, like in school, when I was going to high school, there was like 15, 16, 17 year old kids that... Mm -hmm you know, grabbed the whole hand into the Dianabol jar that they got from yeah. Thailand, right? The, the, the yeah. animal, uh, blue, uh, blue pink. hearts, pink. Okay. Uh, the pink yeah. ones. Yeah. yeah. So they got the thousand, uh, the parents got the thousand, uh, tablet box of five milligrams and they would just take a handful and go to the gym. Yeah. All those guys are nowhere to be found in the fitness They're industry. Gone. They're gone. Yeah. But also when I hear about, you know, um, when they go, when you have class and you people like 10 years, 20 years later, they, they kind Reunion. of, what is it called? Uh, Reunion. 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 Right. So yeah. they go to reunion. I don't go because I'm Thailand, but I, I heard through people that I'm still in touch with. They go to the reunion and these people have completely given up, but they're also not successful in anything that they do because I don't think they have the drive mm-hmm. to, to really, because their dopaminergic system is still kind of messed up even decades yeah. later. I wonder too, there was, um, I think I heard this. this is Andrew Huberman. I was, ta- I was explaining this in German just a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. There was a study. There's a couple of interesting studies that have been done with, um, with children where they inform them, sort of tell them things like they give them a, a certain assignment and they tell one group, wow, you're just tremendously gifted. You're just like, it's just, you just have a, you have a gift for this, you know? Uh-huh. And then when they watch their performance thereafter, it goes down. But when they tell them, wow, you really, you really gave a good go. Like you really stuck in there. You had a lot of fortitude. Like you're a real worker. Uh-huh. Their performance gets better. Okay. So, so when you, and, and, and there's also, you know, things like when you give external rewards. So you take kids mm-hmm. that just gravitate towards art, towards painting, right. or in this case, someone who might gravitate to the gym, which is probably a lot of people are listening. And if you, mm-hmm. if you take these kids and you take one what randomly select some of them and actually pay them, like give them monetary rewards or external mm-hmm. rewards for their an intrinsic behavior. It diminishes, extinguishes that intrinsic behavior. So oh. if you go into the gym, okay. let's say, and you're, and you're making crazy gains and you're posting on Instagram and everyone's saying, yeah, you're jacked. You're a monster, blah, blah, blah. You've yeah, got it's good enough. external yeah. reward coming in. Not because, wow, I feel like I got something done. I went after it today. I trained my ass off. You know, I really enjoyed that. And um, now you actually have, so you got, you've got external reward and you've got on top of that, this feeling like, wow, this just comes easy to me because it does come easy to you. It's kind of like you're being told that you're really gifted. Those are two things, at least from, I'm, I'm extrapolating. This is kind of, I'm, mm. I'm really, I'm really pulling it away here, but I think there's some phenomenology that's involved here with, with what's going on that will tend to extinguish really strongly extinguish the behavior later on in life of actually going to the gym and training when you're no longer on and Mm -hmm. the dopamine dopaminergic effects permanently downregulating that system epigenetic Uh issues what have you so you're changing your brain you're 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 rerouting the development of your prefrontal cortex 
mm-hmm. and your brain, because it's still not fully formed until maybe you're in your mid-20s. Right. So you're changing right. your brain. You're permanently screwing up your neurotransmitter levels, and you're having these psychological impacts because of the nature of the reward and what it's telling you about what you can do. And then, <clears throat> like, there's all sorts of um, uh, thought experiments where you, you know, say, hey, what if you, um, I read one the other day, like, what if you could be given an IQ of, of 500 points, right? Which is, you know, Ooh. unthinkable, but you lose one IQ point every day. I don't think test goes up that high. Day. It goes to two, it 240, it I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like no one's ever tested about like 220 or whatever. And they're not even valid Correct. down like 150, 180, depending on one, but 500, just like, you know, your AI level intelligence, but you exactly. lose a point every day. So in two years or so, you're, you know, you're back down uh, to average level and then eventually you become, you know, basically, a, you know, you can't really even think. We, we gotta say that, the air man. words, but then we get blocked on YouTube. Say what? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You gotta say the air words, but then you yeah, get blocked yeah, on YouTube. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned this. Scott McNally's taught me well to avoid certain right. words. Right. I'll um, block. I'll I'll filter it out. Don't worry. But that but that's the thing is like once then you've uh, you've obtained that which you've grown like crazy with without having to have anything to do then um, you may be predestined yourself in in these ways I just explained to not being able to enjoy the process. It may be maybe a one way street. That once you mm-hmm. get off, that's it. You're done. Some people do. Well, maybe, some people don't. Yeah. Maybe that's the reason why so many uh, fitness celebrities, like the social media personas, they fizzle out when they get an injury, or they fizzle mm-hmm. out when they have a health complication. They get off cycle and they disappear. Yeah. I mean, it, we see the turnover of these these influencers is sky high. Yet the mm-hmm. bodybuilders they stay here for mm-hmm. decades. Yeah. Because most of us were, you know, we're built in fire, right? In, in the, <laughs> right. the dungeons and the gyms. And, and it doesn't yeah. matter what uh, divorce, gym, right? Financial problems, gym. <laughs> gym. <laughs> Off cycle, gym. Yeah. Just eat a little bit more, right? right. right. Uh, on cycle, gym harder, but then yeah. at least you m- mitigate some of the effects and at least we don't use that much. Uh, I think for yeah. us, gym is kind of the, you know, the, the, the fixture of everything. Yeah. Whether we're on or off cycle, it, it, it doesn't really change. Let's say you do decide to um, start opening some keys, the androgen receptors, and, mm-hmm. and whether that um, goes into the progesterone receptor or the estrogen receptor or some of the other ones, and blocking the glucocorticoid and mineralocorticoid receptors. Mm-hmm. Let's say you do that. You decide willingly with a decade of research um, to go that route, and you're, and you're ready to face all the consequences. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> are there some are there some guidelines to do that as healthy as possible? Right, um, without going into dosages or, yeah. or particular practices, let, let's focus on health. Okay. Like, what so, would be your suggestion not to damage yourself permanently? First, go to your channel and listen to everything, <laughs> literally, because that's your because that's your thing. Go to your channel, listen to yeah. all your videos, read all your articles. I think you have Thank some you. lists of the supplements that you take, the things you do. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think Victor Black has a nice mm-hmm. model too. He's worth listening to. John Jewett has a very similar one. Those guys have talked with mm-hmm. one another. They have their feud or whatever that's going on now. I'm not sure. I where, think, where I they think everybody had a feud with Victor but, at yeah, this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't. I haven't, but you know. Um, oh, you're, you're one of the fews. Yeah. I think. But for how long? Uh, <laughs> now you're on my yeah. now you're on my podcast. Oh, yeah, you might get you, yeah. it. You might yeah. get it too. Yeah. You know what's funny because I'd never really had a feud with anybody. I just don't. You know, I just try to help everyone I possibly can. No, but I you're a very likable guy, and I, I don't think I've yeah. ever caught you in a mistake. So that's commendable. Oh, also, <laughs> there's lots of no them. really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really? Okay. Because I, I mean, I've been listening to you for such a long time, and then of course I follow all of the other educators, and then sometimes I raise an eyebrow like that. 
probably not true or incorrect or, or yeah. dogmatic approaches. But when it comes to you, that's why I still follow you, you know, besides the other educators, because I, I never really hear you make a blatant mistake. And you're always mm. positive about mm. it. Yeah, unless yeah. You're, you can name an example. Uh, but I, I know many other educators, including myself, that occasionally make a mistake and then you have to go back and, and kind of redo a video or redo an article or redo your stance in general because you learn something new. Yes, or maybe there's so many of them. Like I just, I'll just keep going. Kind of <laughs> yeah, thing, right. You know, I, 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 one thing too with the with the PhD, the pilot higher and deeper is you learn how to contextualize your your comments, your thoughts, right? right. So that you, you don't really, if you don't really know something, it's just you say you don't know, which is right. you know often the case. Well, that's that's or, a skill on its own. Yeah, it's super important. That's a skill on its own. I mean, there's plenty mm -hmm. of people in our space that would just talk gibberish. <laughs> and, and and not really they, yeah, they, because they want to want to show expertise but they really don't have an idea what they're yeah. talking about so so that's why i think a little bit of humility is, is also a skill that people need to have so they can say well you know what i don't know but give me a week and then i might have an answer for you i it happens mm -hmm. to me in the vigorous q a which is always on saturday where people ask me something and sometimes it's really in depth and like I'm, I, yeah. I can't give you an answer because I, I might know next week, but this time I don't know. And if it's interesting, I'll take a note about it and, and start researching. Because in the end, you, you got to give the audience what they want. You know, that's how you grow the YouTube channel. <laughs> right. It's funny. You probably get this too. People presume they hear me talk about something that sounds like I'm speaking intelligently or I, I have some depth of knowledge. And then they just presume that there's this logical fallacy that takes. Well, they just presume that I know everything about everything. And they say, right. what about this? I have like this, you know. Type three, type two, type three genetic disorder, you know, oh, uh, right, whatever. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I have, and I'm taking these four drugs. What do you think? I'm like, I have no idea what I have to Google what that is. And I don't know what the drugs right. do. And like, I can't possibly answer that question. No, I don't have to do my all the time. Yeah. I Especially bet. now that I start branching out into anti-aging and then longevity stuff. I mean, the, mm -hmm. what people are doing in that space it's it's yeah. there's a lot left to learn like i think mm -hmm. i know i have a good grasp on bodybuilding and these androgen mm -hmm. uh, the the anabolic pathways i think i've I, I think i know that pretty well already mm -hmm. of course there's a lot more to learn but when i start branching onto the longevity the sirtuins right and the mm -hmm. nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide and all this anti-aging stuff right. i mean it's it's a whole different kind of worms yeah nootropics really. are another one you going to no, well, that that I'm that I'm I'm looking into. So cerebral license, Max, Lank, uh, Dihexa, all these uh, compounds mm -hmm. that increase uh, neurogenesis and brain-derived neurotropic factor, which you can actually inject. No, but it's mm. pig-derived, so it's pig <laughs> pig brain-derived. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, porcine-derived. Yeah, just like insulin used to be. It's highly yeah. purified though, but you know, still right. some some issues or risks attached to it, potential risks. Yeah. Um, and, and something like SSRIs, you know, for neurogenesis, like mm -hmm. uh, vortioxetine or fluvoxamine. I've experimented with all of those, and I will mm -hmm. say that it's, the effects are quite pronounced and can actually undo some of the damage caused by steroids. Okay. The, the psychological, yeah. at least like in terms of the ne neurological damage, that things can be reversed. Yeah. Like, yeah. Neurological, psychological, okay. the, the, you know, like lingering anger issues that you might have mm -hmm. that you think you're resolving with training. Mm -hmm. But actually keeping elevated by training. Yeah. I think a lot of us, or at least I used to be in the be beginning, you know, like psychological issues when you're like 15, 16 years old, like parents divorcing, all kinds of trauma. And then you go mm -hmm. to the gym to kind of resolve that because you can, you have an outlet of your aggression. 
Mm-hmm. And that's like therapy for you. And then a decade later, you're still using this aggression as an outlet to train hard, to kind of dumb you down. It's like the reason yeah. why people smoke weed, basically, to kind of dumb themselves down. Now you train so, so hard with the dog crap training and, and high intensity training, Mike Mincer stuff, just to make yourself tired. So you mm-hmm. can't feel angry, you know, through mm-hmm. your puberty years. Yeah. And then you realize that you're not really resolving that. You're, you're just reinforcing it. You're reinforcing that. And I see this mm-hmm. with so many people who love progressive overload. Done it. They yeah. U- yeah. They use the aggression mm-hmm. as fuel, but the aggression just lingers. And then you take a, do some reps in reserve, right? To keep your uh, mental clarity going and use mm-hmm. a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor for neurogenesis or cerebralizin or some axis slank. And now all this aggression is gone. Mm-hmm. All this anger is gone. This is what I noticed the last two years experimenting with these compounds. All the anger is gone. Mm-hmm. But it also means I can't train as hard as I used to be. Yeah. The thing, the thing, <laughs> the thing I wonder, um, and this is sort of the, a parallel between like just using SSRIs or antidepressants in, in, mm-hmm. just, in general and doing therapy is that yeah. there has to be some, this is, we're going to get way off topic now, but for instance, one of the no, things that's I fine, did, fine. That's yeah. why I got you. I mean, the rabbit okay. holes are endless, yeah. so that's why I want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did something called EMDR many moons ago. Have you heard of? Um, ah, right. Yeah. How was that? It worked tremendously well for me. Um, I had okay. been actually, <laughs> I was in a point in my life where I basically kind of felt like I relationships ended, wasn't connected with friends, mm. didn't have strong parental connections at the time either. So I'm like, I got mm. bodybuilding my dogs. I went to go actually compete in a bodybuilding show. Strange sequence of events happened and two of my three dogs died. The one oh, dog no. who was there behind me, yeah, he's, the one, uh-huh. he's the one who survived. He's the one I dedicated my BR bodybuilding coach book to. All um, right. Because if it weren't for him, man. I probably wouldn't be around here because I didn't have anything at that point in my life. Highly uh, traumatizing. Yeah. So I that's can why. Imagine, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, kind of saw them die in my eyes, it was in my arms, right before my eyes. But what, what I did, and this is the opposite of what happens when you take that anger and rejuvenate mm-hmm. it and, and try to channel it into the training, is in EMDR, they apply some techniques to try to um, coordinate the left and right side of your brain while you mm-hmm. relive the experience which was just mm-hmm. awful so i know i'm going I'm into sure, my therapy yeah. once mm-hmm. a week and we're going to talk about so what happened scott you woke up you went and did this you went and did that you did this and this and then what were you thinking at that time and instead of mm-hmm. the sequence events on the super on the superficially would su- suggest oh scott you were negligent it's your fault he died right it wasn't actually oh, wow. i did everything i possibly could to keep them comfortable mm-hmm. it was just a bizarre mm-hmm. totally bizarre sequence of events but i had to yeah. go through and, and re reevaluate that event from that mm-hmm. outside perspective. And I, and I did that. And I mean, I would get like two days before, you know, like it's leg day and you're thinking about the night. Before, yeah. You get anxiety. Of room. course. Yeah. I, I was getting anxiety like, like five days before these, these things. Cause they were so bad. I'd be sitting in the waiting yeah. room, just crying like, Holy shit, we're going to go through this again. But I had to do that. Cause I was agoraphobic for like a year. I, I mean, I couldn't leave the mm-hmm. house. I was pretty screwed up. Oh, wow. Um, and so, but what I had to do was reprocess it and rethink that. So when you're going into the gym and you're doing like anti-therapy, you can be depending on the person, mm. right? Because you're thinking about that ex-girlfriend or you're thinking about, you know, the boss or your, your family of origin, something that happened to your, whatever, kid, your yeah. dad who left right. you or it could be a million things. And mm. all you're doing is you can be just entrenching that, I think. Yeah. Um, 
So the, the weird, weird thing for me was that I never really thought about a particular moment in my life, but I mm -hmm. tapped into the anger. Like it was always in the back of my head. Yeah. And I would just tap into the raw aggression. I have videos about this on my YouTube channel from two or three years ago, where mm -hmm. I, I tell people how to train with anger and just, uh, you know, be Bruce Banner the other 23 hours during the day. And then one hour yeah. of the day, you release a Hulk. And this was like therapy for me at the time, but I, I was seriously reinforcing that anger every workout mm -hmm. five times a week mm -hmm. just to linger around. And it wasn't until I came off cycle for a long time and started experimenting with these uh, neuropeptides that I was able to finally let go. And I, I think I um, give myself some therapy when I travel through Asia for a year. You know, mm -hmm. during the day, you, you have all these new impressions. You see cool stuff. You mm -hmm. see a new temple and a new mountain and all these cultural changes. So you think about this during the day, right? When you travel with a night bus and then uh, you have some, you know, good memories to think about. And then slowly over time, after about two or three months, you go backwards in time. So three months into the trip, you start thinking about uh, university and then mm -hmm. about uh, 15, 16 years old, right? So I think at the sixth month, I was crying every night bus. Uh, wow. Just thinking about childhood trauma and that kind of stuff. So I, I, yeah. I processed everything uh -huh. and, and put it away, right? In a, in a positive right. sense that that chapter was finally closed. I would allow myself finally to think about it like 10 years later, mm -hmm. uh, 15, no, 12 years later. Yeah. But the anger still remained, the raw emotion of the mm -hmm. anger remained. And it wasn't until like last two years that I was able to finally process that with, uh, yeah, with neurotropic peptides. Mm -hmm. uh, the problem is, is that I, I don't think I'll ever be able to train as hard as I used to because that's what I use as fuel. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, I also decided to take it easy on the on you know two gram cycles and stuff. I'm sure <laughs> right. that, that helped also. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I'm sure that helped. But a lot and of people in the comment section can relate to this because they're still training like that, and then you might yeah. need some actual therapy, whether mm -hmm. that's you know self therapy or or you know with the what is it EMDR. EMDR is what, yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll either use, a, they can use a light post that sends a light back and mm -hmm. forth, or they use sounds, you wear headphones and it goes beep, beep, beep. And the idea is that, you know, you need to sort of synchronize um, the activity in both hemispheres of your brain. It's kind of a generalized mm -hmm. idea. That's one of the main premises of this. But the main, main thing I really think is that you go back um, and you relive those experiences Mm -hmm. And you have to be guided with a therapist to do this um, or yeah. someone who can be, have a third person perspective. So you don't go in the gym mm -hmm. and relive them and then no, make yourself angry place. again, right? That's the, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's reinforcing it. You go through yeah. and say, okay, you know, um, so your, your dad walked out on you, you know, right. Mm -hmm. And how'd that make you feel? And you're like, right. I, I like I was worthless. Like he hated me. Like there's no, I had no value in the world or what have you. You say, mm -hmm. honestly, and, he said, but now looking at this, some of this is, is kind of like reparenting too. It's like, well, hmm. is that, was that the truth? And did right. your dad really think that? It's like, no, he was drunk. He was in pain because, you know, so, so you, you rethink it, you know, in sort of a logical sense. And then you can right. relive the, because every time we have like literally physiologically, neurologically, we have a memory, we have to reconstruct it. There's, there's prion proteins in the, in the neurons right. get broken mm -hmm. down and, and the connections are are, have, are 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 reformed every time you have a memory. So, like the older I get, the better I was. Right? You keep telling yeah. the story, and <laughs> keep on getting better. You know that's right. that's true too of your memory. So, like you have selective memories of certain things. You remember certain mm -hmm. things because they were salient for whatever reason, and then you kind of forget the good things or forget the bad things. And yeah. so you can reformulate your memories, and to some degree, you can reformulate. You're literally reformulating your past. You know, you could true you really are recreating who you are um, yeah. 
if you if you're if you're very careful and meticulous about how you cultivate those memories and those experiences if you mm-hmm. want to go in the gym and then be a, be the hulk you're going to have that hulk bubbling to the one of the bubble of the surface right. or you can just say i don't need the hulk the hulk doesn't serve me anymore yeah so that, yeah. that's where i am now finally at life so i'm, I'm a yeah. lot more at peace than i used to be uh yeah. but it's good it's good but I, on the opposite end i don't think i be, can be as good of a bodybuilder because you know the the training hard, training the failure, and beyond that, and and doing all these crazy sets with short rest times, I don't think I'm mentally capable of it. Uh, because I always use that aggression, and now I'm a lot more deliberative, a lot slower tempo, uh, you know, a lot more structured with my workout. But back then it was just pure rage. Yeah, and I love to train like that. Yeah, yeah, I got myself pretty big and and hard and dense doing that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. Luckily, luckily, some of the muscle memory and it's it's now still there. So even off cycle, the quality of the muscle is is somewhat sustained because I, right. I yeah I went through hell and back to get it. Do you see? I this is just I just it's just probably luck, maybe because I started training mm-hmm. when I was so so young or um, mm-hmm. in different scenarios. But I have like different modes. So I've I've done the pure age thing where there's just like mm-hmm. I'm just trying to destroy myself or trying to destroy right. the image or whatever. But I also have like I kind of call it Ronnie Coleman mode, you know how like Ronnie uh, Ronnie's yeah, buddy, yeah, 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 doing this, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. he's got like nine plates on the hack squad. It's like, right. yeah, buddy, how you do yeah. that? Lightweight, that how you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. And like I do that right. in the gym, I hoot and holler and have so much fun, and I can train really hard that way, really right. hard that That's way. That's true. You know, That's and true. do you bo- do you bounce every rip during the time as well, or <laughs> still a little bit more deliberate? <laughs> I, you know, I always have had the tendency when. Because I've been so I, many years logbook focused, I have to really watch right. out for starting to get sloppy at the end. And now what I do yeah. is mm-hmm. I've actually learned to slow my reps near the end. Ah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I and that seems to help a good bit. Um, Helps a yeah, lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Focusing on the time under tension and trying to keep the first rep the same as the last rep, but use yeah. less of an explosive movement mm-hmm. towards the end. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it saves a lot of injuries. I mean, you, you've had your fair share of injuries, right? And I've had my fair a share. Lot. Yeah. Right. And then, of course, the older you get, the more deliberate and, and, and careful you got to train. But mm-hmm. it's, I think it's also a little bit hard to unlearn because it's so instilled of us. I mean, I got the Dorian Yates VHS, Blood and Guts, uh-huh. uh, you right. know, taped over like five times. So you have all those scan lines right. and stuff, right? <laughs> so half of the time, you don't even know what you're, see- what you're looking at. You just hear grunting. Right. Yeah. I got this VHS <laughs> when I was 15. Oh, wow. 15. Yeah. I started going to the gym, and then somebody at my uh, uh, Albert Hein, which is like a, a grocery store that I used to work at, uh-huh. he was 17 or 18. He's like, watch this, if you're just starting to train. Uh-huh. And then I was like, okay, I got to train like this. And and some of the bigger guys were training like that at the gym also, probably because I watched the VHS tape as well. Mm-hmm. And then you don't know what what is, you know, another way to train, because that's how everybody used to train in the, you know, the 90s, because that's when I started. Yeah. Some people were not actually. Dorian was kind of like he was doing things different. A lot of people were still training with high volume back then. A lot of guys still yeah, work. So Dorian was doing high high intensity. Yeah. So I would do like high intensity drug free, right? High intensity right. training, just just going to failure and beyond, and having two spotters, you know, and then all this stuff, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we would just copy what was being done in the in the video because there was no uh-huh. article explaining it. No, and there was no, no. website explaining it, I and mean, we weren't really surrounded by bodybuilders, only meatheads. <laughs> and then occasionally you have one real bodybuilder that did it professionally. Um, yeah. And they would just laugh at you like, oh, we just do Weeder principles, high volume, take a little bit of steroids and uh, you know, right. you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Of course, it's not great guidance either. 
Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. But you were forced to sort of figure something out on your own. You had this mm-hmm. the totally different situation. I, I always try to think like, what would I have become if I were, if I were born, you know, 30 years later, if I were yeah. you know, 23, you know, 22. Um, I think it's much tougher for the kids. It's uh, information oversaturation and everybody gets paralysis by analysis. They don't know Mm -hmm. who to follow. They don't know what to believe. Everything Mm -hmm. is AI nowadays. And they're Mm -hmm. like, are these people that we listen to even real? (laughs) (laughs) This is just chat GPT trying to talk to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) CGI. That's, that's what these kids are thinking about now. It's, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. I think we were lucky. Virtual Steve or bigger Steve? Who is, who is this? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it must be tough for them just to see all these young kids in their uh, age bracket just exceed and explode on social media, making millions mm-hmm. of dollars. You know, back to your question. Like, let's say you're someone yeah. who who wants to go to the dark side, and they're in this in this position. The other, aside from going to your your site and mm-hmm. listening all your videos two or three times, reading your articles, that sort of thing. Right. Um, I would also say look at your family history if you possibly can. Some people are adopted; they mm-hmm. don't know, but see what happens. Um, you have a family history of prostate cancer. I do, for instance, my dad right. had cancer. Prostate, we mm. don't know exactly what got, it was the chemo that got him actually, but he had prostate cancer. Mm. So that's something yeah. I've, you know, I've paid attention to. Um, where's your family history at? What, you know, what things you're likely to come down with possibly. And then, then here's the thing. Basically assume that everyone you see on social media is on gear, right? And yeah. that they have good genetics. Unless, unless, uh. Like their niche is to say, I don't have good genetics. You know, mm. sometimes, sometimes that could be kind of a thing. You know, there, yeah. there's a psychological twist that you can hook people with that. I think too. It's most of um, the educators don't have good genetics. That's why we don't know so much. Yeah. Cause we have right. to learn. The, yeah. We have to learn the hard way just to attain a little bit of muscle tissue. And it's, Absolutely. I think if you look at, look at most of the, uh, most of the educators, it's not about our physique. It's about mm-hmm. training hard and, and sharing knowledge and, and preventing people from making the same mistakes because mm-hmm. I made plenty of mistakes trying to you know, get super big when in reality, my body doesn't want to be super big. It just wants to be a hundred kilos, 225 right. pounds. Uh-huh. That's sustainable. But every, anything over big. that is just, yeah, it's still pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the people told me when I went to the Mr. Olympia, Steve, you're much bigger than we thought you would be. <laughs> I said, well, I have been training for 25 right, years. <laughs> right. Right. But it, so. in, in accordance with that is that no, like the first year is going to, it's going to mm-hmm. tell you what your genetics are. You're going to know whether yeah. you're, you're going to, you're going to be someone who, who it would ever make sense to do, do the gear. And so consider that like your genetics are more than likely they're somewhere around average. If you're mm-hmm. like, um, uh, what was this guy's name? Brad Castleberry. Remember Brad Castleberry? Oh yeah. He, yeah guy, he just he, lifted he kinda, fake weights. Right? Yeah. I think, he, well, I think <laughs> that was, he was accused of that, but. Dante yeah. Trudell knew him personally. So he's oh, really? okay. from the same area of Florida. I mean, of California. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talked to him a couple times and the guy was legitimately strong. But the interesting thing about Brad is you look at some, especially his earlier videos, he had training partners. They look, they're just totally normal kids. Like he's bench pressing right. five plates and they're, they're, they're looking, you know, to get 185 for just as many reps. Yeah. So he was the, like the quintessential example of the guy with just tremendous genetics obviously probably mm-hmm. using some stuff just blasted past everybody. So realize yeah. that's who you are, you know, that you're probably going to be Brad's training partner. You're not going to be Brad chances. Right. Like <laughs> it's very, very likely. 
But it, but this happens with a lot of guys on social media, right? The, the entire group of bros, right? Gym buddies, they all decide mm-hmm. to go on PEDs. And mm-hmm. one of those guys, like one in a hundred, he will go somewhere doing everything mm-hmm. wrong. But his genetic response is so great that on social media it blows up because he looks good. And he just stays leaner than everybody else. He's stronger than everybody else. And with the limited information that they have, they just get popular super fast, especially now that everybody's marketing themselves on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and those guys just exceed at everything. And yep. then when they start doing it right, they turn pro. And then when they get with a real <laughs> yeah. good coach, then they get uh, you know the top of the, the Mr. Olympia or the 212 or the whatever, right? The classic right. physique Olympia. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you see what Chris Bum said, even the last two years under Haney Rambot's uh, guidance, mm-hmm. stellar improvements. Yeah. But he's also one of those kids when he first started touching something, he would just explode and look better than everybody else. He already looked better than everybody else not taking anything. I know. know. Uh, And that's why he's, you know, one of the, I think he's, you know, Chris Bumstead is one of the the figures, the forefront figures of the fitness industry now. 18 million followers. Yeah. Yeah. He has 18 18 million now. Yeah. He's the man, right? Everyone wants to be Chris, right? Everybody wants to be Chris and everybody Mm -hmm. wants to be with Chris. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm glad he's a smart guy. I'm yeah. glad he's a he's smart good guy. Post. Yeah, seems like he's a good yeah. a good a good dude. Um, yeah, but not everyone's gonna not everyone's gonna be him. You just gotta kind of kind of realize will, that. But they yeah. all they all want to be him. Yeah, they all want to be him, and they all want to take something at 18 years old, mm-hmm. and and they get the supplement contract and be Mister Classic Physique. Yeah, that's that's what's so hard to drill into these kids. Like it's probably not gonna happen. I mean, even Urs Kelsinski and Whiskey Vissers and uh, Ro, uh, Ramon Dino, mm-hmm. they're close, yeah. but they're not there yet. And that's quite. already the, the the most elite of the elite. Yeah. The, yeah. the way I kind of kind of frame I grew up kind of in a small town, like 30, 35,000. Mm-hmm. Oh, and everybody wow. knew everybody. And there were a couple there were a couple kids that everyone kind of knew were on on here in high school. And there mm-hmm. one guy was big. He literally was only like 200 pounds, but he just looked like he was just like crazy big. Right. And at um, that time, your perception of what's really big is oh, a yeah. lot smaller. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you meet but the bros and you're like, was, oh, that's big. <laughs> yeah. There's a whole other world. That's the thing I think a lot of times is people have never, there are people that have, that are, are sort of stepping forward as like they're being vets online. This mm-hmm. was true of the muscle board, on the muscle days of the, the bodybuilding boards, right. the bulletin boards, and I think true of Instagram, who don't even go to shows, who haven't even been to shows. They don't, they don't know what pros look like. They haven't, they like they're. Some of oh, not the coaches, really? but there there are lots of guys, yeah, that that just talk. They don't ever they don't they don't go to the shows. They don't really know what it's like to work with mm-hmm. see these some of these big guys and to know what kind of genetic response they have. But right. my thought is that um, our brains are sort of they're not really evolutionarily speaking, we're not really wired to have the perspective of what really is going on. Mm-hmm. The world is so so small. So normally, yeah. if it would make sense, like if you got a bunch of people like let's say you're in a tribe a group of people and mm-hmm. everyone's going to have pretty similar genetics there's going to be some variability so if you do what your 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 older brother's best friend does chances yeah. are you could get something like close to what he got out of whatever he's doing but nowadays the variability amongst human beings is all over the place that's not true at yeah. all you don't you may not have anywhere near the the, the ability to grow and become like that person but you, no. but your brain can't tease apart what you're seeing on Instagram because that's telling your brain, unco- I think, unconsciously, what the normal world is like, and it's not. It's cream no. of the crop, <laughs> not even close. Exactly. Not even close. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I realized this recently, even like I've been off cycle for six months, seven months. And then you, you look in the mirror, you're not happy with your body composition or your mm -hmm. muscularity. Just you look in the mirror, you're like, this sucks. Yeah. I right? don't yeah. even want to stand in front of the mirror. I went to the swimming park with my wife. Right? <laughs> my wife's been retired for five years. So she's a little bit, you know, not as muscular, not as lean as she used to be. Right. So she's uh -huh. enjoying her retirement and I'm off everything for a long time. And we go to the water park. And we're the best looking couple You're there. Superstars. Yeah. yeah. Superstars. People want to take pictures with me. And I'm like, dude, I just like the worst shape I've had in a, in years. Why would you want to take pictures? It's going to get out uh, on the but, internet. You're like, shit. Like, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't have this. Like, everybody will unfollow me. But then when you realize you're going to general population or even just in most gyms, you're still one of the biggest dudes. Even, yeah. even when you feel the most horrible. And I think mm -hmm. as you get older, you start to realize that, that it is okay to be a little bit softer and off cycle and, and not as strong and, you know, maybe not as apparent on social media physically, but when you're younger, I mean, that's, that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. That's all that matters being, yeah. you know, the, the biggest and the best looking guy, uh, you know, at every party, basically, or wherever yeah. you go. And you yeah. love the attention that comes along with that, of course. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It, I, I think it's very hard to be a kid nowadays. A lot of pressure, a lot, a lot of stuff that we, we didn't have to deal with. You know, mm -hmm. we have the camaraderie in the gyms. I, I feel that some of that camaraderie is lost now, uh, traveling yeah. around. Mm -hmm. And even though when I went to Mr. Olympia and I went to Flex Lewis's gym and some of the other gyms there and in some of the gyms in LA, um, you know, everybody's very excited in the fitness industry, mm -hmm. but that's also around Olympia time. So I'm not right. exactly sure if that's a right representation of what it is the rest of the year when not everybody's flying in and not everybody's excited about the Olympia, not everybody's in mm -hmm. shape. And looking mm -hmm. good because let's be honest everybody prepares for the olympia to a certain extent like i want to be in shape for the mr olympia too <laughs> right yeah i'll be meeting a lot of people that watch the youtube channel so that's why you of know? course yeah you can't that's get out angled yeah. by anybody right yeah that's no you know, no i'm you, sure this year i'll get out there especially by chase irons he's been on that mega cycle yeah and paul right. burnett and then everybody else that's coming you know it's it's yeah, yeah it doesn't really matter to me anyway i know i'm doing it for a higher purpose right but still right. you want to be lean and have some shreds going yeah. on yeah yeah so for those young people who are listening like like you're open when you when you dig into those locks with all those different keys you're opening up all sorts of things you don't know about that, that are literally mm -hmm. could completely change your life in a way that you don't necessarily want to the thing yeah. that's kind of ironic about it is that i think to some degree the people who do enhance bodybuilding and just bodybuilders they're control freaks right no yeah yeah. OCD is the key is the key uh, success story yeah. uh -huh. <laughs> for bodybuilding because right. you have to be repetitive. Absolutely, don't miss injections, don't miss meals, don't miss cardio, don't miss workouts, don't miss supplements. Right, you have to be OCD to make it work. Mm -hmm. But to yeah. some degree, when you when you take that step and you go there, especially if you're young, you are going to be giving up. That's the deal you make with the devil, so to speak. Is you're going to be giving up control because your brain could be changing. You're going to change your mm -hmm. perception. If you're going to become have a dependence, what have you? You don't know. You really don't know. It's like like here's the contract. It's like you know. It's like when you get an image on Instagram and it's all blurred out. You know what's in there? Just, just sign this. Like I can't even read it. I don't know what's in there. Right? <laughs> yeah. Should I sign this? That's exactly but, what it is. Yeah, you sign before you know, right? It's sign yeah. before you know, and and that and that's that's the curious thing. Well, what if this does make me into Chris Bumstead? Huh? Yeah. I think I think that you know we were going to talk about all these anabolic. Um, uh -huh. pathways that I they all overlap to some degree in mm -hmm. very basic ways. We're trying to turn on protein synthesis. We're trying to inhibit protein mm -hmm. breakdown. 
We got to have some satellite cells involved. There has to be some coordination here in the muscle mm-hmm. cells. Um, we have to have a training stimulus in place. There has to be an excess right. of calories, enough calories to drive and allow the adaptation to change the energy status of the cells. And you can do all of that stuff with natural training and know what mm-hmm. kind of machinery you've got before opening. You can sort of take a peek inside the behind the locks and see what's available right. there before you start sticking all the keys in there and opening up right. the Pandora's box. True. Um, very, very true. I and mean, I think, do you know uh, uh, yeah. Alberto Nunez and, and yeah. um, you know the 3D muscle journey guys? I mean, the results that they get with their natural athletes is absolutely phenomenal. One of their like 10 year clients is actually training at the muscle factory here. So I see him, mm-hmm. he's drug free mm-hmm. and he looks bigger than most guys on social media, but he's not that present because he's mm-hmm. just doing his thing, doing his natural yeah. bodybuilding, training his clients, right? going to the gym and following the diet. He looks stellar, shredded glutes, everything. He's got the whole shebang, even yeah. though the, the weak body parts are a little bit weak during the diet and the strong body parts remain strong because, again, there's not so much anabolic signaling uh, you know, on his endogenous testosterone production taking place. Oh, yeah, and, uh, but, I mean, I'm surprised. Like Back then, it was unheard of that you could look like that, mm-hmm. natural. Right, without mm-hmm. PEDs in the picture, but now you see, you know, real drug-free athletes that uh, compete in drug-tested shows, and they're not under my guidance to beat the drug test, mm-hmm. right? Because <laughs> right. I've helped many at the world championships level, but that's a tested show. That's not a drug-free show. Uh-huh. But I'm talking about real W and uh, NBF World yeah. Natural Bodybuilding Federation. Federation. Like those, those I, I would consider just um, besides the the drug testing that they do, just from a um, honor system. That mm-hmm. they compete there, I would say that all those guys are drug free, or at least the large majority. Uh, and what you see, what's what you see is possible. It's absolutely stellar. You know, mm-hmm. those guys maximize everything. And I think if some of the enhanced bodybuilders listen to what those guys have to say, that would mm-hmm. be so much more ahead yeah. regarding nutrition and the training structure. And then, because again, you know, like there's a lot of educators on this platform that give training advice or nutrition advice, but it's only valid for enhanced bodybuilders. Mm. Yeah, there's only like, certain, there's something, you have to, you know, I know what you mean. Right, uh, train failure and this and that and drop sets and supersets. And even if you leave some reps and reserves, the amount of volume that they advocate mm-hmm. only for enhanced lifters. Like when mm-hmm. you see the volume of natural lifters and the frequency, it's like four exercises, two mm-hmm. two sets, one working. You're mm-hmm. like, how? <laughs> this doesn't look like fun at all. <laughs> right. You know, as an enhanced lifter. It's well, so it's so funny what how it how it has evolved over the last few years. Yeah, and there's a lot of things we can learn from, but most of us we don't really dive into the natural bodybuilding because we have mm-hmm. steroids to compensate for the lack of effort that we put into the gym. Yeah, you're you're missing out on that opportunity. There's it's only a, it's, it's, it's a path you can't go back to. Just, just you can actually, but most people mm-hmm. won't. You you're almost no. like you're 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 not going to be able to go back and go through that learning process again. Mm. can if and that's i think what some of your trt people are, are coming back into but they're i think yeah. they're a minority but you miss out on that so you end up being someone who who doesn't know what those natural competitors did didn't mm. learn and i think like jose raymond's a good example i think of someone who right. earned his pro card multiple times and then you know then he mm. went from weighing like 155 160 maybe less than 170 yeah. on stage to 212 yeah, 250 yeah. yeah on stage yeah. but he was 250 in the offseason yeah he had the fight yeah. to get down to 212 um mm. and he started bodybuilding at a very young age so those sorts of things you miss out on absolutely yeah no and then when yeah. you look at him now he's still got a respectable physique 
He's trying oh, yeah. to get his wife pregnant, I think. I talked with him at the Mr. Olympia at the Flex Lewis's after party so and he cool. was trying. So I really hope that he's and otherwise I'll have to talk with him again this year <laughs> because my protocol is uh, is is working very well. Oh good. <laughs> good. Yeah. Yeah, my fertility parameters are off the scale, so we already started trying. But of uh-huh. course I don't expect to get my wife pregnant at forty years old in one yeah. go. Right. So uh <laughs> yeah. It would be good though. Yeah, we've been just abstaining until my fertility parameters were great, and now we've been uh-huh. actively trying, but um, still waiting on the period or the positive, um, yeah, uh, pregnancy test, right. either or, and then we just keep trying. I have faith, but it's yeah, this is this is an issue with a lot of bodybuilders after a decade, oh, twenty yeah. years of steroids, that the Absolutely. fertility is just, and that's what kids really don't realize, and I didn't realize this either. Like I mm-hmm. made a list of all the prerequisites before you start uh, doing your first cycle, and. Right? Organ imaging, CT scan, and an MRI, just uh, as a precaution to see if there's any plaque buildup or structural issues with your heart. Because once that fails, it's over. Mm-hmm. Right? The liver will regenerate. The kidney, you can kind of heal slightly with lowering the inflammation. But the heart, blood clots, yeah, you know, genetic analysis, looking to your family history, checking the cancer markers, or doing a full body MRI to determine if there's any cancer uh, in the beginning. Doing a semen analysis. Mm-hmm. And then freezing some of that semen, and maybe doing HCG monotherapy to see what your testicular potential is before mm-hmm. you even start downregulating downregulating your HPTA. Just see if your testicles are are non-responsive to luteinizing hormone or follicle stimulating hormone. And mm-hmm. if it does work, then at least you know that PCT will be successful because some guys don't respond to that. Yeah, and they might need to be on TRT for life. And whatever sperm they have now, better freeze it. Multiple samples. Because their PCT will not be successful and their their mm. spermatogenesis will not come back. It was already terrible, right? Maybe due to a varicose cell or, or something else. And if they go on cycle and a decade later, I want to have kids, I'm going to do the fertility protocol, but nothing happens. That I, I've had those consultations also yeah. after two years of trying. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens. They don't have a baseline test. And of course, yeah. I wish I did the same thing uh, 10 years mm. ago, 15 years mm-hmm. ago. Uh, but I didn't uh, because nobody was talking about it. He was right. just talking about tests and D-ball cycle, D-ball kickstarts yeah. on uh, steroid.com. <laughs> right. You're yeah. not going to hear people talking about this stuff very often because those people won't typically. And this is why so I'm always torn about talking about drugs and getting in the drug, in the sphere of talking yeah, about uh, drugs. Um, because I'm kind of, I kind of become like, oh, he's kind of a party pooper, right? Like, why? he's talking about all this yeah, stuff I shouldn't think- do. But most of us are party pooper. It's same as on my YouTube channel. I'm a party pooper for many guys as well. They're like, Steve, get to the fucking point. Right. But like I just released a video about uh, erythropoietin, EPO, which I have no mm-hmm. experience with, but people ask about it. So I made a video about uh, epoietin, alpha, beta, zeta, darbopoietin, uh, mercera, and, and melanotan too, which can also increase hematocrit mm-hmm. levels, right? Mm-hmm. Very in-depth, 30-minute video, 15 minutes disclaimers. <laughs> And I already saw in the comment section, like, Steve, why is this, why do we need to do an MRI? And why do we need to do a CT scan? And why do we need to check our clotting risks? Uh, the, the, you know, the fibrinogen and, and, you know, plasma thrombin time and all that stuff. I just want to get to the EPO part. Well, there are timestamps, but yeah. I want to make you aware of the risks and what right. you need to do. And that, that's why my YouTube channel doesn't grow as fast as, as some of these other platforms. Because yeah. my videos are long, because I, I want to make sure that everything of relevance is in every single mm-hmm. video. Because even though I might have mentioned it in previous videos, uh, it doesn't mean that this person that's going to watch the video that's being released now has access uh, to that information because they've been subscribed for two years. 
Mm-hmm. And that makes it a little bit hard for educators like us. Like, I would love to give you a blanket cycle, but we can't. <laughs> we can no. only inspire you to learn more. No. This you isn't know? like you have a headache and you say, okay, well, you know, take 200 milligrams of naproxen and you should be good to and go. even like, then. And yeah. even then. Even then. The amount of prerequisites. Yeah. <laughs> to come right. With that. <laughs> right. Right. There's like, there's, there's almost nothing that that's why, I mean, I, I tell almost on a daily basis, I tell people when I get messaged on Instagram, I said, the first thing I'm mm. going to say is don't take medical advice from anyone on social media. Mm. No doctor's going to yeah. do it for you. Don't. And I won't do it because I don't pos- I can't possibly know what your risk factors could be. It would be no. totally um, irresponsible of me to do that. Yeah. But all those disclaimers, they have to be in place, especially when it comes to fertility. That's one of the first things that I kind of ask people. Um, we did mm-hmm. a podcast a couple of years ago now with a, with a client of mine, and we did the Power PCT, the Program of Wellness oh, Restoration. Right. Yeah. yeah, it worked yeah, really I remember well that. Him. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and now he's, you know, he's got a baby girl and he's very happy. I just heard from another guy who heard that podcast and uh-huh. he's kind of going to have another child and it worked for him. But, um, once and now he's going to try to do it again. But the thing is, it's like mm-hmm. when you're 15, you're not thinking about any of those things. No, you know, no, you're thinking about a uh, potential for impregnation, but not the actual process yeah. afterwards. Right. You're thinking, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. This is going to be birth control. Yeah, okay, like, of, I'm going yeah. to use some extra DECA. So whatever, whatever the best for birth control is, I'll use that one. Yeah. Um, I just thinking about having the sex, but not about the consequences afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just so, think about hooking up with girls. No, mm-hmm. it's yeah. I mean, I didn't think about it either. I thought, you know, you read the message boards and they're like, oh, everybody's having girls. Okay. I'll settle for that. But then when the time is there, you realize like, hey, I might have done some damage. Luckily for me, mm-hmm. I was able to restore my fertility parameters. Well, I, I'm not sure what my baseline is, but I'm, my fertility parameters are phenomenal. That mm-hmm. being said, my fertility protocol was extensive and I sacrificed everything to get the best fertility possible. I, I took yeah. it as a contest prep, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So everything that I needed to do to get my fertility up, right? icing my nuts for increased blood flow, yes. No yeah. scientific evidence to support it, but it does work. <laughs> I, I think for increased it, blood flow. Yeah. So it's basically like hot cold therapy you would okay, use in your knee. Okay. Right? So you reduce afterwards. the inflammation. Yeah. Yeah. You reduce the because the the you know the blood vessels to the testicles are you know vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. So if you reduce the temperature and then increase the blood flow afterwards to heat up the uh, the temperature of the testicles again to its ideal temperature then you include some nutrients. So if you time this around meals containing mm-hmm. a lot of nutrients like taurine and carnitine and zinc, selenium, right? All these nutrients that help with uh, spermatogenesis, mm-hmm. then potentially on paper, you would say that you have increased blood flow, basically like pumping up a muscle. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing this for months now. And I think this is one of the reasons why my fertility is so good. Besides the antioxidants, besides the Everything, recombinant FSH and the yeah. AC, I do it all, right? Yeah. Whether there's scientific evidence for it or not, or, or mm-hmm. just pure bro science. Um, well, I mean, 500, milli, uh, 500 million per semen, per ejaculate. Wow. With good morphology and good motility. Yeah, it's insane. That's awesome. Yeah, I, <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly. Amazing. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I've been I've been you know helping people on this journey, and now I just started adding in the growth hormone because again I uh-huh. felt a little bit small, and and I went through all the scientific literature, and at least in cases of uh, growth hormone deficiency, there's some uh, potential for spermatogenesis. So mm-hmm. let's see over the next forty to ninety days if my fertility parameters uh, will improve further, mm-hmm. maybe I'll have like seven hundred million. 
made even better mortality and better morphology. <laughs> and then, yeah, well, I mean, it took months to piece together because, again, you know, I've, I've used various protocols, but I, yeah. I always like to get my hands dirty and then use the scientific literature with my own anecdotal right. experience. And, mm -hmm. of course, you know, I mean, I've been doing fertility consultations for years now. Mm -hmm. um, and you take some of that anecdotal evidence. And I, I think at one point I'll have a protocol that is valid for most bodybuilders that use steroids mm -hmm. for a decade. And then everybody can have beautiful children. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the thing is, if you look at the bro science or whatever it may be, you think, okay, what's the possible mm -hmm. harm that could come from this? What's, you know, as long mm -hmm. as you're not like, you know, using, putting liquid nitrogen on your gonads, right? Then you're oh, not no, going to, no, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You're not doing anything <laughs> like outrageous. They're right. down a bit. Right. So uh, some of those, maybe some of those things are working for you and some of them aren't, mm -hmm. but you're, you're doing everything you possibly could. And as long as there's no interference for them or negative effects, then that makes right. sense to do that. You know, right. it certainly does. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I see some people, they don't have a positive outcome of some of these practices, like whether that's HCG, the glutathione, uh, mm -hmm. the, the recombinant HCG or icing testicles with ice pack. And again, it's no direct contact. You wrap it in a <laughs> towel just to kind of cool the temperature right. down. The same thing you would do with a, an ice pack on your knee, right? There's no direct contact. You just cool the area to reduce the inflammation and increase blood flow when it starts heating up. And you can do some red light therapy at the same time, right? Alternating between a cold pack and a red light therapy. Mm -hmm. You do, people want to try this. They try it for three months and nothing happens. But they need to do mm -hmm. a testicular ultrasound to kind of determine if they have a varicose cell or a hydrocell or other like necrotic tissue in the testicles. That's also common with people who use both mm -hmm. loads of steroids because it's just completely downregulated and the varicose yeah. cell is present and the, the blood flow is mm -hmm. obstructed tremendously. So again, you need to do everything, which I, I was like bodybuilding because it's so all-inclusive. Like if you do everything right and you use mm -hmm. low dosages of, of a couple different things and you do the diet correctly and the supplementation Energy. correctly, you can accomplish a lot. But yeah. you also need the OCD tendencies to put it all into practice because it's so inclusive that, uh, yeah, it's hard to do anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's hard to do anything. Like, like, can you imagine yourself working a real full-time job if you weren't doing consultations and helping people and coaching and uh, like, with all the stuff? I mean, I, I was a college professor for, for a couple of years, so I did kind of a real full-time oh, really? job. Okay. You know? That's yeah. a real job. Yeah, that's a real that's job. Real, that's a real job, I guess, right? Yeah, that's a real um, job. <laughs> this is, I think, where I can help the most people, though. There was, there was just kind yeah. of too constrained. And I worked jobs growing up, so yeah, I could I could do mm -hmm. it. Um, but I just kind of decided, I mean, I owned a gym for a while. I had a gym for like four years. Well, oh, really? Yeah, okay. yeah. But I wasn't doing my best service for people in that case. Because mm. I yeah. was busy, like... Like at one point, we we're trying to build things. I was going around like putting flyers on people's windows on their cars and that kind of stuff, uh, you know. And that, that's wasn't, not where, wasn't that successful, huh? Uh, yeah, it was a bad time. It was about two thousand eight. Mm -hmm. Is we we're right when the, ah, that's the economic crisis. Yeah, yeah everybody threw in the shit, towel, right? Yeah. Um, so that was part of it. That's about when I closed the gym. But mm -hmm. um, long story, but I ended up having to just to make things work. I was actually the the academic dean of the acupuncture school where I went to school. Mm -hmm. And I had an acupuncture practice and I was like doing talks at my gym and trying to build that up. And, but then my business part was gone and then I had to give up my deanship. I had to give up my acupuncture practice so that I could just keep the gym afloat. And I'm like, okay, but I was doing it. But anyway, I decided I just, this is where I is. This is the right spot for me doing what I'm doing, not doing the right. regular nine to five. Cause this is where I can, I can interact and help with help the most people. That's right. Absolutely. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the fun of being an educator. You, you learn so much absolutely. new stuff and then you try to communicate that to a larger audience. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. and that, that's that's how most people in the fitness industry benefit. And I get inspired by your material. And of course, you're reaching so many of the hardcore bodybuilders because all the hardcore bodybuilders know about you. I think it's a, the new <laughs> audience. Yeah, of course, everybody knows who you are. Um, but really, maybe people really outside of the fitness industry, the TRT crowd, the new kids on the block, right? They're just getting started. They're like, who's mm -hmm. Dr. Scott Stevenson? But now right. they know. Yeah. Today they, they will know. Through new. Yeah. Yeah. I was they will expecting through an this influx of drug questions here. Thanks to you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. That's okay. Guys, if you, uh, Scott doesn't do the drug test questions, but go to Tanner uh, Tatert, who's also is a new guy on the block, also an educator, but he's uh -huh. like 23 years old. Okay. And he's helping kind of digest all of our material, mm -hmm. like your uh, material and my material to the younger crowd to still prevent mm -hmm. them from making mistakes. Because the younger kids, they don't listen to guys over 30. I know. Like, oh, what does this old guy know? Old time. But right, right. Disgusting. Yeah. But Tanner is like 23 years old. So he's kind of helping with this new generation. He's doing a great I'm job. Glad to hear that. Yeah. 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 So we're, we're slowly handing off the material to the younger kids so we can retire. Mm -hmm. But we will never retire, of course, because there's still so much to learn. I saw a little bit of that, the YouTube video with him. I don't know if you got to this question up, but does he have, is he running up against, difficulty trying to um kind of talk with young kids and sway them away from making bad decisions um he seemed like uh, yeah. pretty straight this, yeah yeah everybody everybody's stuck in their ways and i, I was mm -hmm. the same when i was younger so i completely yeah. get it sometimes you just got to learn the hard way sometimes yeah. you got to get your hands dirty and get burnt right mm -hmm. until you learn and I yeah. think we all go through this process. And after a couple of times you burn your hands, then you're like, oh, maybe these guys are onto something. Maybe right. they are preventing me from making the mistakes that they made. Um, I, I, of course, he's getting through to some people. And I, I, I realized this when I went to the Mr. Olympia, some guys that are following my YouTube channel for five years, they, they started at 15 years old and now they're 20. Mm. And then they, they still didn't touch anything. But oh, their bodybuilding improved. Yeah. No, that's that's a lifesaver. Yeah, and I talked with yeah. Noel Diesel. Has the same thing, right? Because he's open about his own steroid use, but he doesn't go into dosages and also explains the potential risks. Mm -hmm. This is why he doesn't want to go into really steroid education. And he has millions of followers. Mm -hmm. And you see these kids, and they thank him publicly. For like, you know, we understand that drugs are involved, but we're not ready yet. And that's right. a very mature response. And no. they don't feel ready yet. And I didn't feel ready yet when I was twenty-two. When I realized that everybody was on steroids, whether those are classmates or people at the gym. And of course, the bodybuilders. I mean, I met Jay Cutler when I was 23. Mm -hmm. After he won the Mr. Olympia in 2006, he came to Holland. There was uh -huh. a new uh, a Dutch Grand Prix and Hidetada Yamagishi was there and Jay mm -hmm. Cutler and okay. Ronnie Coleman, right, who plays second, uh, who allegedly yeah. should have been first at that show because he looked 10 times better uh -huh. than the Mr. Olympia where he lost. There was a very big uh, African-American and Antillian and the Dominican crowd there. So they were all cheering for Ron. They were going nuts. <laughs> that was a great show. Anyway, That's so cool. I met Jay Cutler at a convention and I shook his hand and I realized like, wait a minute. That this bodybuilding thing might not play out for me if, if this is what is required. <laughs> just the size of his hand or just the size so my of hand his my, my yeah. hand disappeared in his yeah yeah and he was super nice super cordial he answered all of our questions he was one of the best experiences i had with an ifb pro because i didn't have mm -hmm. so much experience at the time living in holland there's only two He's or three ifb cool pros but i i did realize like man this is this is next level stuff yeah this is next level stuff so to come back like i realized that i wouldn't be able to make it that far at that time mm -hmm. because of of how far that was away from me right i was 23 at the time i should have started five years earlier with peds like 
I mean, Jay allegedly started at 18, first, first show. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew there was already a huge gap. And since we didn't have classic physique or mint physique, I was like, okay, forget it. Forget right. it. I'm going to learn as much as I can, but I'm going to wait until I feel that I need it. So when I was 26, I felt that I needed it. I thought I reached my natural potential, which mm-hmm. if I look at the 3D muscle journey team, I'm sure I could have put on another five to 10 pounds of okay. actual muscle if I did it right with the knowledge we have nowadays. Yeah. Um, and so I meet a lot of kids and Tanner means a lot of these kids that, that abstain, but for mm-hmm. each guy that abstains, I think there's another five that least dabble. Yeah. 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 So we're doing our best, but I'm sure we'll meet those guys later on, you know, and they'll say, mm-hmm. yeah, you were right, Steve. Yeah, you were right, Dr. Scott. Um, should have waited a little bit longer to yeah. open those locks. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I hope we do meet them because if we don't meet them, that would be kind of the worst circumstance. That means they dropped off the face of the body. Yeah. And they're not doing that anymore. They're, they're gone. They vanished. And there's someone who's, who maybe isn't able to, you know, make their life better by still training and being fit at least. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you never know, right? If you don't meet them, you, you don't hear about it. This is, yeah. this is the weird thing about the fitness industry. We only hear about the things, uh, the people that are still involved. Mm-hmm. And then if they were IFB pros and they passed away, like Gustavo Botel, for example, he passed away recently Yeah, from, uh, I'm not even sure what it was. He had an aneurysm when he was uh, actually still competing. Okay. And from a leg press, I believe. And that's why he started wearing glasses and his legs came down in size because he was scared. Uh-huh. And it's just through the grapevine. Okay. But he died recently, right? So this is what we still hear about. But yeah. what about all the guys that die from complications due to steroid use, competing, et cetera, or mm-hmm. bodybuilding in general, that are not known? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm worried about. Mm-hmm. We don't have any. All the guys that used to dabble. Yeah, we don't know. Like All the guys that yeah. used to dabble when they were like 30, 40, maybe into their 50s, and then now they're 70, and they pass away from cardiovascular complications or other issues yeah. related to steroid use. 20 years, 30 years later, but we don't hear about it because they're, they're not known. I think those numbers are alarming. Yeah. Have you, have you watched uh, or followed Cali Muscle? Yeah. I mean, he's falling apart mentally and yeah. physically. But he's being open about it. <laughs> like he's talking about yeah. it. Um, like, yeah. I think I saw the, I can't, I just, he, he, the, the algorithm started sending him to me now and again. So I, I kind of see like. <laughs> I clicked Choo-choo. on one thing. What yeah, are you doing like, to me? <laughs> I know, right? Now he's like, you think he's, you think he's eating all watermelon? That's the last thing I saw. I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, and and he's still like, Same. you know, enter- he's kind of, he's kind of goofy and has fun and he's still enjoying life. But I've heard mm-hmm. him talk. He's totally honest and open about what he's doing. He's someone where he, we are. We're kind of watching him kind of fall apart. And he was, yeah. you know, gigantic, massive dude. And, and he's being absolutely, utterly honest about quote unquote mistakes he did, things he did, I mean, yeah. he wouldn't have done. Um, but uh, he doesn't look that bad him, physically. Um, I mean, no, he doesn't look very, that bad. He looks yeah. lean, yeah, still muscular. But of course, it's the 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 GAC, uh repeaters that are yeah. uh, maybe a little bit <laughs> yeah. more in his favor. Right? He was genetically and, uh, gifted before, like he was bench pressing five hundred pounds before he started anything. So think about that. Right. If you want to look, you think you're looking like Cali Muscle, you're going to get that a five hundred pound bench press natural. Yeah, and then right. exactly, yeah. So, and then start dabbling a little bit uh, to yeah. bring it back about fasting. I mean, I'm fasting myself this week, uh, uh-huh. five days, five and a half days, kind of shut off mTOR and you okay. know, uh, clean out my intestinal tract. I do it every three fasting, months, but five days straight fast, full fasting. This is okay. day three. We're now, uh, well, it's 24, 48, almost 72 hours in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I'm one of those few bodybuilders that actually fast regularly after watching some material from J- Dr. Jason Fung. I can mm-hmm. highly recommend it. 
right? Keeps you young, keeps your intestinal tract healthy. And, and, you know, because we're eating the same food every day and I Mm -hmm. take a deload at the same time. So I kind of reset the clock, basically. Mm -hmm. So I'm not against fasting in in any way, shape, or form, uh, even though watermelon fasting isn't really fasting. No, I don't. Uh, But yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, but as you can see from the last. Right. As you can see from the last two hours, uh, I'm still energetic and uh, excited. And in cognitive, uh, I'm sure I'm in a deep state of ketosis, so that helps. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, this is something I can recommend to everybody. Um, shut off mTOR for a bit, mm-hmm. you know, even though everybody's like, no, no, I got to eat my protein and I got to have my steroids. And mm-hmm. yeah, but I think honestly, this is uh, one of the reasons for my success and, and still looking somewhat youthful, uh, just coming mm-hmm. off and doing fasts and, and, and doing basically the entire opposite of what we usually recommend in bodybuilding or fitness mm-hmm. in general. Just take a step back. And then do a, a do a complete one eighty for a week, and then continue on the on the same path. It's it's not that difficult. I think um, I did uh, the longest ever did. This was many moons ago. This was in mm. two thousand seven or so. We did a, like a nine day fast. Oh wow! And had That's I, brutal. I, I had two salads. Like in the I was a friend was kind of guiding me through this week. She said, "You know, you should have yeah. a salad today." You know, but that was basically it. Um, yeah, for enterohepatic recirculation. Yeah, yeah. I think I so, do the same yeah. thing. I have like two salads salads just to kind of excrete the bowel acids. Yeah, and to really clean out going. the intestinal tract. Yeah. Um, but and at that time, I've been you know I've been I think I've been competing for eight years or so, and I just mm. basically stepped back. I started at one point. I was eating ninety ninety five percent raw food, completely sort of intuitively, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, I felt awesome. I felt great. And the thing, the reason I bring this up, not that I, not that everyone needs to do this to feel great is that I was concerned. I'm like, Oh shit. Like I'm going to freak out because I'm going to lose all this size and I'm not, and I'm <laughs> yeah. going to like, I mean, I'm, my identity just crumbled before my eyes and I'm going to, I'm going like, to find out I'm like a total steroid addict. Right. And many people become dependent. Many people couldn't do that. And I was happy to see that was probably one of the things that was most important about doing that. All, all the other things that I learned along the way, was taking that step back and recognize like you know what okay I'm I think I'm I think I'm all right I'm gonna I, I mm. have some idea I can be almost in that third person perspective that you can't be in once you're taking that stuff you can't rightfully right. judge the decisions that you're making if the decisions are being if if, if, you're, if you're drunk yeah. on steroids basically right some degree. <laughs> exactly right. So yeah, it's, it's funny how yeah. taking a step back like that can really put things into perspective. And then when you do go back to the gym, you start training, you realize you barely lost any strength. You lost some fitness, really obviously, some yeah. pump. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, say, I say strong also, you know, whether I'm, I'm fasting off steroids or on steroids. I mean, I do it every month for, man, the last six years, like 2017, I've been doing fasts uh, quarterly. And it's mm-hmm. the results are always the same. Okay, you lose intestinal mass, you lose a lot of weight on the scale, you lose some body fat, then the water retention comes down and you look a lot more streamlined and youthful. And then as a result of that, you feel so accomplished because you did something the entire opposite and your bodybuilding didn't suffer in any way, shape or form because the fullness will come back and the strength usually doesn't go away. You're just mm-hmm. as strong. If anything, you feel more refreshed because I usually take a week off while I'm fasting mm-hmm. or at least a deload where you just, well, halfing, half-assing it in the gym with 50% volume, 50% weight. And then you go back and you realize you you're look better, you feel better. I mean, your blood mm. work looks better. I've done blood work like before and after fast. Mm. The amount of metabolic improvements that you get, substantial. Creatinine yeah. goes down, creatine phosphokinase, uh, uh, liver enzymes. I mean, electrolytes kind of, you know, rebalance itself. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, but it, it you have to do the polar opposite of what we usually talk about <laughs> and just not eat and not train. Yeah. And uh, people rather, nowadays people would rather take DNP and sit at home in the fan to get that same benefit <sighs> of fat loss. Yeah. That's, a, that's how crazy this fitness industry is. I know. I know. It, it, I, but <laughs> you don't realize until you take a step back like that how yeah. hard you're pushing your body, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And home, how much you, I mean, you can't definitely know how much harm you're doing to yourself too. We can, we can overcome so many things. I've seen this in my mm -hmm. decades of training that you can overtrain or, or not overtrain technically speaking, but you can train more than is optimal and still inch forward mm -hmm. and make progress or still recover and come back and keep doing that for years and right. years and years and decades. And when you take a break like that and you come back stronger, even it's like, okay, that's yeah, very, what is going on here? Right. How does this, how can this possibly be? And it makes you realize how oblivious you are to um, what could be had if you learn to truly auto-regulate um, in a way that yeah. would, would bring you forward as best possible. When I did that that nine-day fast, we, I did train, um, and I mm -hmm. just I wanted to see where my strength was because I, I hadn't really had a long fast. And I was doing a lot of stiff-legged deadlifts in my training at that time, and I actually uh -huh. did um, a set of 10 stiff-legged deadlifts, plates all the way to the uh -huh. floor with 495. Oh, sorry, 405. Oh, wow. 405, not 495. Yeah. 405. Oh, four plates. It's Four plates, yeah. That's yeah. And I was weighing like yeah. 185, something like that. Oh, man, double the body weight. Yeah, huh? Oh, yeah. man. Did you get those crazy hamstring cramps and the doctor cramps in the evening after No, that? no, I don't I don't cramp. Okay. No. We were taking lots <laughs> of minerals. Could have gone heavier. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. Well, that was an all offset. <laughs> I wasn't getting anything else. But I, but I kept mm. that. So doing something like that, I think, is a good check, um, especially, mm. too, to realize – if you've been at this, like if you're, let's say someone has been dabbling for a while and you're like, you know, I'm using a little bit of trend and I don't sleep very well. You don't realize how awful mm -hmm. you feel until you don't feel awful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Until you come off and then yeah. you realize that, that life is 10 times better now. Mm -hmm. Of course, you might look, don't look as impressive, but yeah. you can't be on the Tremblone year round anyway. Well, some people recommend that 50 milligrams of trend year round, but I don't think it's a yeah. good idea. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. What can you do? Everybody has to decide for themselves, right? True. <laughs> Honestly, the best results I ever got was with bioidentical hormones, testosterone, growth hormone, insulin, IGF-1, mm -hmm. and, and, and just, you know, moderate doses of all of them. I even wrote an ebook about it, how to keep yourself healthy, just using these compounds because mm -hmm. they're all available as pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, we discussed this on the Muscle Minds, uh, was it one and a half years ago, about the synthetic carrier oils? It was less um, than that, I think. I think it was in the last well, year. Yeah, okay, maybe a year ago yeah. when we talked with Scott. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Scott McNally. Right, the synthetic carrier oils that is still an issue, although I do know that some labs have changed their formulations after I started hammering about, you know, the, the dangers of uh, ethyl oleate and, and uh, propylene glycol mm -hmm. and all those other uh, synthetic solvents. Right, they, uh, they really started changing their formulations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so now they're switching over to MCT. So that's at least we're making a good impact. To some degree, like this dose response that you're going to get from whatever you use is going to be a function of side effects. So I think the side effects are mm -hmm. just telling us what extent to what extent we have toxicity going on. So, you know, if you right. look, you know, theoretically, if you had no side effects just on what a given dose would do in terms of antigen responsiveness, it might be that you could go to two or three grams a week, like, or do what Chase is doing, mm -hmm. right? And even now that he's been clean for so long, maybe his system has, is, is resilient enough to handle this overdose. I'll just call it that of drugs. He's actually growing from it, so maybe it's not technically an overdose. 
right. but he can uh, handle the side effects and metabolize all this stuff and grow productively for it. But it's like we said before, it's not sustainable. So you're someone who's scooting along and on and off no, and trying to do what you can. I don't think you can do can. that year round. Yeah. No, no, no way. Um, not that you want to, you know, do like Paul Borison style cycles either. Um, remember, you probably remember that guy. I think I lost you a little bit. Paul Borison? No. Can't. Yeah. It's okay. Oh, Continue. You know, Paul, you should, yeah, you should look Paul. Yeah, Paul Borison. He he actually died. Um, he was a big on like oh okay, like a thousand milligrams a day for like two weeks, something like that. That's how he suggested people do, oh, wow. do their cycles. It was crazy. Um, wow. You can only grow so That's fast. That's crazy. But, but back to yeah. like taking a weeks off or taking time off or um, doing a, a fast, just being able to step back and say, okay, you know, like, am I, am I really, really jonesing for my next injection just to know that I'm on, 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 on track uh-huh. so to speak, like what's going on. And, it's funny. Some of the some of the best bodybuilders, the best pros that I've talked to, just hate the drug side of things. They just hate it. They can't stand oh, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be a pretty common. Yeah, thing. it but doesn't they surprise also, me. That's why a lot of these guys they come off for three months after the Mister Olympia, right? That they don't mm-hmm. even go to the gym. They kind of just fully detox and just live a normal mm-hmm. life. So at least they feel rejuvenated for the next competition season. You know, they might yeah. miss the, the Arnold Classic as a result of that because they kind of, you know, go back to a normal shape, normal body composition. Um, but but then when they do start, they respond better and then the resilience is up quite a bit because they took some time off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ronnie. Yeah. Didn't serve Ronnie in the long run, it sounds like. He, it looks like he, 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 he no, weathered the storm not so well, but he used to do that a good bit. I think it's the training. The training, I mean, it looks like all his issues are just structural from all the heavy lifting that he did. I don't think he has any organ issues. No, I don't think so. I, I think no. I had the sense that Ronnie had some um, surgeries that went awry. I heard it. He does. He's yeah. not a complainer, but I think he had some no. surgeons that didn't quite do the best job possible. And then he tried to do, and a lot of, a lot of surgeons, everything like orthopedic surgeons, cosmetic surgeons, surgeons, they don't want to go in and work on someone else's failed project. Um, because yeah. mm-hmm. the surgeries generally, like, let's say you've got a, whatever, a hip replacement, like once that's kind of failed, then you have to be a wizard to try to go in and figure that out because you don't have the, the same starting material. It's not like, right. okay, we built a house and the house fell down. Like you can't clear the house out of the way and just build a new one. You have to build a new house on the broken house. So right. that's what I think may have happened with Ronnie is that he ha- had these surgeries and I can't remember the, I just heard him say a couple of things in some of the interviews early on when he was starting to have problems that he had some, had some failed surgery. Yeah. Some of, some of the screws to help his, uh, put his, uh, um, um, you know, vertebrae Spine. in place, they broke as soon as he came off the operating table. Yeah. So he had yeah. some, some, you know, issues that way structurally. And then of course you need to heal up because you just had surgery and then they need to remove that and put some sort of uh, a brace around some of the spines instead of the screws. Yeah, it's, it's he's been through hell and back. Same as, um, oh man, connection issue again. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I'm, I'm trying to figure uh, out what it is. Yeah. Huh? No, I think it, I think it's my end. I think it's just the Thai internet that is uh, giving me issues. Okay. It's been raining and uh, thunder and stuff. So otherwise, we just wrap it up and save it for part two because I'm sure we'll have a lot of questions uh, in in the okay. comment section. Right, that's okay. So let's just leave it here because we have the internet connection issues going on. Hey, where can people find you? 
Where can they uh, find you, Mr. Scott? As contradictory as it may seem, Instagram seems to be the easiest way. Fortitude underscore training. All right. Or, or you just Google Scott uh-huh. Stevenson bodybuilding and it comes up pretty easily. All right. So, Do you have a website? Do you have a forum where people can ask you questions uh, if they bought your Be Your Own Bodybuilding Coach book, I believe? Yeah, I do it with the Fortitude Training book, but sometimes people come and if someone sends me a, some good questions on on Instagram or what have you, I'm like, hey, man, I'm happy to help because when I answer a question on my on my forum, it's for everybody mm-hmm. that wants to read the thing. And I'm right. more than happy to do that. But when I answer that question on Instagram, that means it's probably the 95th time I've answered that question if I keep doing that. So yeah. <laughs> I don't like to answer. I'm like, I'm just, this is, I'm just pissing in the wind. I'd rather answer them on the forum. What right. that does most of the time, and I hate this, it's the case, but most of the time it means that they just vanish. They don't, I, I say, I'll give you a free membership. All you got to do is sign up. I'm not trying to sell you anything. Mm-hmm. Like you get a free answer, but they don't want to take the effort to do that. Um, so I run to that. But no, anyway, they can those just who ask, me, ask me yeah, or Victor, yeah, or ask Victor yeah. Black and then he gets upset. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I know. So this is, yeah, yeah. This, this is the fun part. Like the questions will always be the same. And even if you make videos about them, the questions mm-hmm. will still come. You know, I know. So you can't win. Yeah. Yeah. You can't and win. I, and I, so they can find you on your, on your website. You have a yeah. forum. You have your beer on bodybuilding coach book, Instagram. Yeah. What about a YouTube channel, Scott? When <laughs> well, are you going to do your own YouTube channel? There's the Think Big. Yeah. Well, I'm sort of on Think Big with my podcast, but I think big, right? Yeah. 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 yeah right. Yeah. I've, I've got, I've got some thoughts. I keep on. So once you go in, you got to go all in, right. And start producing. It's a full-time I'm, job. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm sort of enjoying the way things are going now, but, um, I've got a big, um, an RV that I picked up now that I can travel. Everyone can continue the tour that I was on before the pandemic hit. All right. Yeah. And I think, uh-huh, um, yeah. I think I might get on there and start filming some footage. Cause I mean, no one, no one probably wants to see me train anymore, but, Actually, I think probably people do. Like even with with Cali Muscle, do. he's probably getting as many views now as he did before, just because people want to yeah. see him deteriorate. What's going to happen? So with me, I or don't. They're, they're invested. Invested could, in the decline. Could be, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. But I, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around the fact that people would be interested in just things that I do on a day to day basis because I'm not that interesting to me. But I think yeah, that is, but you are, do it every day. But if Many people are, yeah. You just got to put it out there and see what so. sticks. I think so. You know, we'll yeah. see. Maybe the, YouTube's yeah. the way to make the money, I guess. Not that I'm in it for that. It is. Yeah. Tr- trust me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know. Trust me. All right. Dude. So, do you, do you still do coaching or only consultations? It's just the consultations. People just need to have good right. questions. They have to have well formulated questions, and we do a consultation. Some people, I, I hate it, but I have people that can't formulate a good question, and it saddens me. And in that case, I offer up oh. free answers. We'll go back and forth on uh-huh. discussion board. And most of the times they don't want to do it because they just want, they want me to bedazzle them with information that all of a sudden just, you know, elevates their dopamine levels in some way, shape or form. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. Dr. Scott said, I can, you're, you're on five grams of gear. So that's what I'm going to do. That's, that's not the answer you're going to get. Wow. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah. I, 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 be, I may have to check out Chase and see how he feels after a few months of this because eventually that's just going to have to make him feel like. I'll have him on the podcast next week when okay. he gets all of his blood work. Okay. And I'll have him on the podcast. And uh, I'm sure you will watch this one before it, uh, before we get on a call. Uh-huh. And then uh, he can uh, he can say if he feels a little bit saddened by uh, your comments <laughs> or not. <laughs> I'm just interested <laughs> because but that's, that's one of the factors too with ma- not all but many pros is, is they have the genetics to handle the side effects. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just like 
the more you can, the more you can recover from training, the more training you can do and grow from it. The more PEDs right. you can take without the side effects, the more you can take and more you can, you can reap the benefits of said PEDs. So he may just be someone yeah, who's just hardy as all hell. So he can handle that for longer than, you know, someone else. So. Yeah, those are usually the guys that turns pro, and I think he always still wants to turn pro. So if you can get a pro card on this cycle, or at least take a little break and then you know right. do something for contest prep, and you can get a pro card, yeah. that of course you'll still have to start at the bottom, like so many pros do. You get the pro card, and you realize that you know now you start at the bottom of the pro ranks, right? And they have to you know go from five grams of gear to ten grams and and eighteen units of growth to thirty six. You're like, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> Don't even say those numbers. You have to be. That's just crazy. I don't know. It's just doubling the dose right. because they got he got up yeah. to this level to get a pro card, and then yeah. there's another twenty five percent of muscle mass and and muscularity that's involved to compete with the bigger guys. And then most people would think that that's dose dependent, right? Related yeah. to the dose, which to yeah. a certain extent is true, uh, but it's also another yeah. decade of effort. Mm. Um, yeah, and 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 some people are not willing to play that card. I, I mean, I'm not willing. No, I got I got other stuff to do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that's after I realized I met Jay Cutler, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, this is way beyond me. This will never happen for that, me. That's another thing you should be on that checklist before you decide to go to the, like, go to a show, meet some meet some pros. Um, yeah, and you won't get this information easily, but but so many of the guys that are pros too, not all of them are using. So many of them, like they turn pro using nothing or their natural. No, like like a couple hundred milligrams. Yeah, you know, I know. I've, I've talked with them. I've seen the blood work. It's mm -hmm. perfect. But mm -hmm. that's that's already out. Those are the outliers. That's the not pros, the norm. Though. Exactly. Those are the pros. Yeah. So before yeah, you right. think I'm going to become a pro, you better make sure you're an outlier, right? Exactly. And yeah, and come to the point. shows and meet these guys and see how driven and 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 you know they interrupt you mid conversation to have a meal. Yeah. Not that they do that, but th that's basically after a while they're gone and they're in the back room just eating another meal. Yeah. And two hours later they do it again. Yeah. This is what separates the big boys from the yeah from the observers. Yeah. Yeah. A, a tumor on their hypothalamus driving them their eating behavior is maybe part of it too. <laughs> yeah. The big boys know how to eat too. If you're not a good eater, that that doesn't bode well for you either. So. A lot of no, things. I know. A lot of things that people don't. A lot take. of things that goes into it. Yeah, you, right. you don't get that from the dopamine hit that you get when you're looking at Instagram. You no. Know? Yeah. No. No. Rise you can't grind. social media away to the pros. No. No. I know. No, you can't. Right. All right. Hey, dude. Scott. This was absolutely fantastic. Blast. Thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. And enlightening. Uh, all your social media links are down below in case you guys want to follow Dr. Scott uh, on his, uh, his own social media platforms. Any last words for uh, my audience? Any wise words? Um. Imagine, if you can, what a future self would say to you. Imagine who you might be and imagine the multiplicities of yous that could be had. And think about that a long time, like for a year before you decide to become a Sith Lord. Um, <laughs> seriously, seriously think about right. it. Uh, because yeah. I think there's too many people that, that vanish from social media that, that go unknown that are, that are in the, they're off, off there in the, um, floating away at sea. They're the corpses that we don't know about because they're, you know, they're in deep space. They're in yeah. deep space. Frozen in deep space. They're <laughs> at the bottom of the ocean or what have you. Yeah. One and, arm, arm severed from the lightsabers. Yeah. Right. And we don't, you don't, don't be one of those, don't be one of those people. Don't, don't do that to yeah. yourself. Stick around yeah. for the long run guys. I think, the long I run. think Jordan Peterson, has said something along the lines of, of treat yourself um, as if you were 
responsible for taking care of yourself as if you were the person responsible for taking care of you. So what would mm. someone who absolutely utterly loves you do? Um, and if you can step outside, yeah. whatever your motivations might be to do that and look at yourself and say, this is the most loving and kind thing I can do to myself. Mm-hmm. Use that perspective. That that'll shine a different light on that. I, on it than I think many people have. So that's, I guess my last, my last word of quote unquote wisdom. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, until next time, Vigor Steve out. Have a nice day, buddy. Adios.